One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He's tough, I'm Matt Riddle. I fought all around the world in steel cages, knocking people out and breaking bones. It's what I do. So again, do you want me to knock them out or tap them out? August 1 morning, identity revealed as the MMA legend Tito Ortiz. Hello there, folks. Welcome to We Don't Know Wrestling. I am your host, Sam. And this week, we are going to do a kind of We Don't Know Wrestling 100 check-in, kind of doing an update with a couple of future voters, I believe former voters, both of these lads. Um, going to introduce them now. First up, a, a debutant on uh, We Don't Know Wrestling. Um, his Twitter says he will tweet about soccer, other sports, pro wrestling, theme parks, Doctor Who, and his dog... Um, it's Evan Weston. Evan, how are you? I'm doing really well, man. Uh, my dog is my favorite thing on that Twitter uh, bio, but uh, professional wrestling might be second. So unless you want to talk about Nala for three hours, which I'm all about, um, we can talk about wrestling. No, that sounds – I'd rather talk about the dog. Um, we won't even get to I... the second guest. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here and, and, and talk some wrestling. Uh so everybody knows, um, I, I am fairly new to wrestling fandom. Uh, I've been a wrestling fan for a little over four years now, but I was watching like everybody does. Uh, I was watching WWE at first um, and became a pretty big Roman Reigns fan. And when they broke my heart uh, several months ago, I sort of decided that enough was enough uh, and I was going to dive into uh, a bunch of other stuff. And so I've watched, I think, almost 400 non-WWE wrestling matches in the last five months or so. Um, so that's sort of where I'm coming from perspective wise. Uh, so everything that I say will be uh, sort of from that angle. Um, so it's going to be a very un- different perspective than from our second guest um, host of the psychology is dead podcast is Quentin Moody. Quentin, how are you doing? So we uh, would be perfectly fine talking about all three of our dogs for the last, for the next three hours. But I think talking about how me, Brock, and Simon have corrupted Evan in the last five months would be a much more interesting topic. They really have. They've turned me into a monster. <laughs> it's been a very unique um, arc for Evan. Um, no one else can see this because it happens in a private Slack group. Um, R.I.P. Wrestling the Words. Um, <laughs> Evan, I don't – how did Evan get there? I was doing a project on John Cena and I added Trask because I liked the site and he was like, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's let you do it. So I got in the Slack chat and very gradually got introduced to other sorts of wrestling because nobody <laughs> slacked, not nobody, um, but the Slack chat does not um, talk about WWE in the same way that uh, a section of Twitter does that I had previously been following for my wrestling discourse. So... Um, it was kind of, but, but I think that's good. I think every wrestling fan needs to be a lot more open-minded than they are. That might be the, the number one problem with fandom today, everybody getting so tribal. Um, so it's, it's good to, to see other things. And, and I've had way more fun this year watching wrestling than I have in the past. So, um, well, cool. I always, I kind of forget where some people have hopped on to that train. 
Um, but essentially, Quentin, Brock, Simon have done a, a rather stellar job of breaking you, um, convincing that you are broken. Oh, um, no, no, no. Vince McMahon broke me. <laughs> they, I think the, these three individuals really made you confront that, though, in a way Okay, that's... okay, okay. All right, hold on. So the reason why Evan went down this path is because we all separately told him, like, our stories of, like, WWE sort of, like, fucking us over. It breaks everybody in the end. And we told him, like, look, eventually this is going to happen to you. And he went in super excited about WrestleMania 34. Roman Reigns is finally going to win. And then when he just loses, I, I swear <laughs> to you, Evan just came in like completely deflated and we weren't happy about it. Like everyone was like genuinely like feeling bad for Evan that like he had to find out that way. We were up until 5 a.m. talking <laughs> about how the last four years of the company didn't matter. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to get blamed for that. If anything, I think I should be credited. No, you guys... <laughs> That's a bold choice of words. Um, but Okay. Okay. Um, but let's, let's crack into this. We don't know wrestling 100, a list of the top 100 wrestlers of the year voted on by people that decided to submit a ballot. Um, we have not done an update in a while. Life has been wild. Um, so I have not had time to sit down with anyone to really kind of chat through where do folks stand? What are folks that people should be keeping an eye out for? Um, people that we may have missed, um, so we're going to kind of make up for that and do some stuff this evening to shine some light on folks that um, people should have on their big board. Um, at least give them a glance. Maybe they won't make it out to their final list, but definitely should at least check out some matches from. Um, now, we can go two ways with this. We can start with some of the folks from Twitter who sent suggestions of these sorts of wrestlers. Or we can kind of start with some folks that um, we have discussed privately to enter these conversations with. Um, I would think we can maybe get the Twitter ones out the way first. Okay, so from at the JML underscore. I'm assuming at the JML not underscore was taken. Um, their tweet. People they feel are undervalued. Miko, Jungle, Kayona, Sasha. I'm assuming Sasha Banks. Takuya, Namora, and Ricky Marvin. Quinn, Ricky Marvin fan, correct? Yes, that'd be correct. Um, what's what do you think has gone into the resurgence this year for him? Because he's kind of come out of nowhere back into the picture. Um. And I can't really explain why that's happening and why 2018 um, the Lucha promoters have decided, oh, yeah, Marvin's going to be a guy that we're going to kind of throw into matches and he's going to kick some ass. Um, do you think there's anything else besides just luck and more available footage than years prior? Um, I think Marvin, from what I heard, Marvin was trying to get into Japan recently and – when he couldn't, and he saw, um, I guess, other luchadors getting getting into Japan, um, and just like how the like climate of wrestling was changing, I think Ricky Marvin felt disrespected, and this explains the surge 
of Ricky Marvin matches we're starting to see, and not just Ricky Marvin matches, uh, really good Ricky Marvin matches. Uh, I remember back in January, people were like kind of like scoffing, like, oh, Ricky Marvin, like people are really saying he's a wrestler of the year level guy. And I'm like, yeah, like the match, uh, the match is rather um, that he has, that he had with Kara and uh, Kawato and Lucha Mimis are really, really good matches. I actually just finished watching the Kawato one not too long before we started recording this. And the Kawato match is like a straight up uh, vet versus young boy match out of Japan. It's extremely stiff and nasty. Uh, the Kara match has some nutty spots. And uh, he faces Barbaro Cabernario uh, during the year that I haven't gotten around to, but people have been raving about it. And I think the crown jewel of his year so far has been the Dr. Cerebro feud that he was having in IWRG. And all those matches have been varying levels of very good to great. And every time Ricky Marvin comes out, he just delivers. I haven't seen a match this year where it was below very good. And in a pretty good year for Lucha so far, I think Ricky Marvin has a real honest case of being the best guy out of Mexico this year. That's, I think it's up for debate, but I think he's definitely in the conversation for sure. Um, and I'm really happy he's kind of gone the path he has. And hey, he's gonna it looks like he's getting back into Noah, so um, it all works out. Gets what he mm. wants. We get what we want, which is good professional wrestling. Um, now I've not been keeping up with Joshi, so I could not really tell you what kind of year uh, Nico Santamora is having. Um, I'm assuming the May Young Classic is going to open her up to a whole new group of fans that probably have never seen her before, um, which is exciting. I have no idea when that airs. I could have aired already, and I would have no idea. Um, Start tomorrow night. Well, there we go. Uh, and as we are recording this on September 4th, uh, so it will probably have already started. But I have not seen her before, so I'm looking forward to having my eyes opened. She is indeed an incredible professional wrestler. I have not seen much of her from this year, unfortunately. Um, but I typically do a Joshi and Lucha sort of binge towards the end of the year. Um, or the end of the voting period, rather. I just find that those styles easier to kind of digest all at once. Um, versus a lot of Japanese wrestling. Um, or American independence. Um. Do you have anything to say on our two Joshi wrestlers here, Quinn? Um, so Jungle, I think Jungle's a bit of a weird one because she doesn't have a lot of singles matches to point to. She has a lot of tag matches and trios matches in stardom. So I'm not sure how strong of a case she really has, even though I really like her. But uh, she has a title match against Momo Watanabe, who I'm definitely going to get to talking about later on in this show. That's really good. And of Jungle could string a couple more matches like that uh, together for her resume, then I could see her easily making a top 100. Uh, maybe um, her Stardom Grand Prix stuff. Uh, she's faced Kimberly and Konami in there. So maybe she's been having good matches that I just haven't gotten around to seeing yet. But as of right now, her case just looks a little bare with just that Mama Watanabe match to uh, point to. Um. Yeah, I, and, uh, I think it's uh, 
interesting to kind of see how someone can work primarily tags or even trios and still build a case from there. Um, um, I was going to get into Maiko. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't liked Maiko's stuff this year as much as everybody else. Uh, there was the Ayoko Hamada match that I know a lot of people like that I think I went three and a half on, but I wasn't nearly as high on it as everyone else. Um, and the most interesting stuff she's been doing this year um, has been in Fight Club Pro, uh, where she is currently the Fight Club Pro champion. Uh, she's had matches against Chris Brooks and Pete Dunne, and uh, the latter is one of the better Pete Dunne performances of the year, but I think sort of falls apart towards the end. Um, the second Chris Brooks match is better than the first one, but both of those matches are good. Um, and I'm really excited to see how she um, comes across in the Mae Young Classic. Uh, I need to do a little bit of a Sunday Girls catch-up, um, and I haven't seen the tag um, that she has. Um, I think it was Takayama Mania, where uh, Shihiro and Takashi Segura are on the other side, and I think it's maybe Atsushi Aoki that she's teaming with. But I haven't gotten around to some of that stuff, so Michael could climb for me, but I just haven't loved Michael's stuff the way some people have this year. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, Sasha, being in the world of wrestling entertainment, not seeing a lot from her this year, um, is she being undervalued, or is this just Sasha's always good? Um, if, if people aren't talking about her, she's being undervalued. If I look at my if I look at my sheet, I have her tied for sixty fourth, which is someone who still has some significant gaps. Feels about right. Um, she had a, a total banger with Asuka back in late January on Raw. Um, that was one of the best women's matches of the year. Um, she had a really good match on TV with Bailey. She's had a couple good TV matches with Ruby Riot, but she really had any. I think Evan just died, or that's just me? Uh, yeah, I don't hear Evan. Um, okay. Um, oh. I think I just heard myself. Oh, Hello? Yes. Hi. My my Skype just changed my audio device randomly. That's it fun. It is no longer automatically adjusting that. All right. Wow. You... Did I get cut off? Yes. Um, right when you over. kind of talked about all the matches. Yeah, um, I'll start over. Do what you got to do. I'm not going to edit it, so you just got to like, <laughs> go for it. Really live well, your life. Sam's lying. He's going to edit it. <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, Sasha Banks, uh, really hasn't had a a ton of opportunity this year. Uh, most of the women in WWE as is tradition have not, um, she had a a total banger with Oscar, uh, on raw at the end of January. That was one of the best women's matches of the year in, in the company. But otherwise, uh, she's had a couple of good TV matches here and there with one with Bailey, uh, a couple with Ruby Riot. One of a member moon was in. Um, she was awesome in the Elimination Chamber match, um, where she, uh, she kind of sort of, but didn't turn on Bailey. and now they're tagging together. They've been tagging together for like two months now in anticipation of women's tag belts that haven't been announced yet. Um, so she's just sort of treading water. Um, but, but I mean, I have her in the mid sixties. She'll probably finish a little bit lower than that. Um, she'll probably make the list cause she's still, I, I think the best. Or the second best, you know, with Asuka, uh, TV wrestler in that division. Um, but, you know, when the push is so hard on Ron, 
and Alexa Bliss and Charlotte, it's difficult for anybody else to really get a lot of shine. And she hasn't really had that opportunity. It's, 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 a, it's a weird because the women were really carrying Raw for like the la- for the first like two months of the year. Yeah, they were. So between Asuka, between Asuka, Sasha, Bailey, um, even getting Charlotte versus Asuka versus Mini 34, um, we were getting really good women's matches week in and week out. And I think Sasha was um, showing a lot of um, her heel streak was, start- was starting to come back a little bit. She's working a little bit nastier. And I was really into what she was doing. And then obviously once we have um, – Alexa Bliss start to take up more of the focus again. Um, Ronda Rousey comes in. Uh, even Nia Jax is getting more of that time. Sasha Banks, even though she was having these great matches, just isn't getting the same opportunities um, later on in the year. Um, and it sucks because I thought she was really the MVP of Raw, um, at least um, tied with Asuka for the first couple of months. So I imagine she at least makes my top 100 just because she does have two matches that I really liked in that um, Asuka January 29th match and that Bailey uh, February 12th match. But uh, unless they load, load up that tag division that the women are going to have, then I'm not sure how much, how many more good matches Sasha's going to have for the rest of the year. Yeah. Asuka's actually kind of in the same boat where, where she w- was legitimately great until WrestleMania, and then she went to SmackDown and has just disappeared. Um, so it's, it's kind of a shame to see what's happened after WrestleMania. And this is... This is a whole company problem, not just the women's division, um, but it's it's kind of impacted the women's division the most, I think. Well, there we go. Um, I have no input on Sasha Banks. So we're going to move on to the last person on JML's list. I've lost the list somehow. Um, to Queen Nomura, um, who's had a really tremendous year. Um how old is Nomura? I want to say he's like 22, 21 maybe. I'm going to look up on Cage Match because Cage Match never lies. And it's telling me 24. Oh, okay. So All right. Feels old, but who knows? Yeah, Fuminori Abe is actually younger than him, which is funny. But um, Takuya Nomura, I actually just got finished watching a couple of his matches, too. Um, I finally got around to watching him versus Abe from January, and I just watched uh, him and Abe versus uh, Hideki Suzuki and Daisuke Sekimoto from August 12th. Both of those were really fucking great matches. Um, obviously, he has the Hideki Suzuki title match. Now, personally, I had like little minor issues with the match. Um Kind of wish it got like a minute or two more, um, just so I could um, think the finish was a little bit more played out. But keep, like with all, with that being said, still a really awesome match. Um, he has one from uh, the Ricky Choshu Produce Show uh, that people liked a lot that I've gotten around to seeing. But yeah, Takuya Nomura, um, I think since really like putting on the weight and becoming a, a legitimate heavyweight has stood right in with these guys and has not felt out of place and is regularly just one of the like most reliable banger machines you have in Japan right now. This guy just doesn't have bad matches. Yeah, Noir's gonna have like at least three matches in my top fifty. Um at least one match in my top ten. Um I think the uh, Sakamoto and Suzuki versus Abe and Namora match from 
May um, is incredible um, for wrestlers that really know their roles. Um, and Nomura's kind of come into his own of uh, being able to deliver nuanced performances um, without the help of Suzuki. Because um, I felt like I needed to, after last year, I needed to see him kind of operate on his lonesome um, and really kind of come into his own and really have his own identity. So, um, he has a match with Sugera, and they go against Rocky Koromara and Yoshio Takahashi. Um, and the match was good, but what's really just outstanding is just Namor's kind of performance in it. I think everyone but Yoshio has good performance, but to see Namor just be in there and hold his own, um, and elevate the match, um, more so than, uh, you would kind of expect maybe after last year um, was awesome to see. Yeah. I'm curious to see, um, I guess how him and Abe develop as a team, because look, putting two shooty boys together is immediately going to appeal to appeal to me, you um, probably Evan and a lot of people listening to this. So I'm just curious to see if we get like a significant, like tag title run, maybe feud, with the champions coming out of tag league in the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, I think the future is looking really bright for Takuya Nomura right now. Um, I guess since we mentioned him a couple times, I guess we should talk about Fuminori Abe. Fuminori Abe, uh, I joke that he is like a complete Sawa clone, um, obviously being trained by um, Munenori Sawa. But he's had some really good matches this year. Um, the Masato Tanaka match in particular... I really liked, um, obviously you mentioned Abe, I mean, not Abe, I mean, um, the Takuya Nomura match he had from January, the tag matches he's had seeming with Takuya. Um, so yeah, Abe's another guy that just every time he's out, every time he's in a match, he leaves a big impression on the crowd and whoever is viewing it. Um, those guys just have a knack for coming across like as the best guys in these matches or like just in general stars. And, that's a really good quality to have when these guys are so young, Fuminari Abe being 23. I think I like Abe even better than Sawa. I think at the kind of core basics of kind of shoot, shooting, I think he does a better job of that. I don't think he's quite there as far as a character as Sawa was, because I feel like Sawa was just so expressive in everything he did. But Abe, I think, is getting there. Um, and you can kind of see that in his uh, Basara stuff. Um, yeah. Where he kind of gets to be a little bit more of an entertainer, um, along with having great kick and some quality grappling. Um, but yeah, obviously the stuff in Nomura is going to be the stuff that you kind of see him rising or falling on uh, for lists like this. Um, cool, 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 cool. Let's move on then to kind of our next tweets, um, where Patrick at... The Timid Donut um, said the following are undervalued. Mark Davis, Sami Kadaka, and the entire NGD. Um, Mark Davis is your boy. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I know, Evan, I know Evan loves Mark Davis, too. Yeah, I, I, uh, Quentin and I disagree on who the star of Aussie Open is. Um, I, I think it's, it's Dunkzilla. And uh, Quentin thinks it's Kyle Fletcher, although I like both of them a lot, uh, and I really like the tag team. 
Um, Mark Davis kind of stood apart for me with the match against Walter in progress, which I know um, was sort of criticized in, in, in a couple circles for being the formula Walter match. Um, but and somebody thought that Mark Davis bladed his chest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that match, uh, you know, yes, it, it played right into, uh, the Walter formula and yeah, Mark Davis kind of, kind of got squashed. Um, but it was, it was so visceral. Um, and I thought Mark was, was key to that. Not only just being willing to take the beating and, and having a chop hit the right spot, um, but the way that he sold for it, the way that as a bigger guy, he can project vulnerability, um, but also not feel like he's wasting his size. Like it comes off with some, some other bigger guys that, that sometimes give too much. Um, and I think he, he is incredibly likable, uh, and, and comes off to the crowd really well every time. Um, he's a, he's, he's just a, a really solid big guy. I'll probably have him in the bottom part of my list, um, I'm excited to see Aussie Open and World Tag League uh, in WXW. I, I hope that they get a little bit of a run there, um, and that might be able to, to put him and Fletcher up my list a little bit higher. Um, so since I got tweets asking me about Aussie Open and Mark Davis, and even um, Dylan had sent me something about asking me who has been the best guy out of the UK this year, so I think I'm going to try to handle that all in one sweep. Um so Aussie Open, I think, other than the Young Bucks, Aussie Open have been the best tag team in the world this year. Uh, there's other tag teams that I'd throw in the mix. Um, Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly, I'd throw in there. Uh, Daisuke Sakimoto and uh, Kazuta Haguchi, I'd throw in there. Um, a little bit more recently, but I'd throw like Kaito, Kaito, Kaito Hitamiya or Kiyomiya and Goshi Ozaki in there. I think the but, aggression should be in there too. Yeah, like I'd throw those teams in there. But right now, it's looking like a two-team race for me, and that's Aussie Open and the Young Bucks. Um, so that speaks to how highly I think of them. Now, uh, as far as Mark Davis in particular goes, I really, really like Mark. Um, the problem for me this year with Mark has been, when this even goes beyond this year, it kind of just starts like in December 2017. Um, I feel like Mark sort of underwhelms in singles big spots. Um the Walter match, I'd give an exception for, but I think the chapter show he made events against Chris Ridgway um, uh, in the Natural Progression Series finals is a sort of underwhelming match for two guys um, that are breaking through and they're giving like this big platform and this main event in the Electric Ballroom. I think the, those guys just sort of missed the mark there. Um, but he's had good matches the entire year, though. Um the Chosen Bros match is really good. The match against Juice and Tanahashi. Uh, the CCK match they have um, at Summer Sizzler is really good. Uh, obviously, all over uh, Fight Club Pro and Attack, Defiant, having good matches. Like As far as volume guys, you're, you're hard-pressed to find anyone in the UK this year that has had more good matches than Mark Davis or Kyle Fletcher. Um, but yeah, while I really like Mark, the problem for me is this year has been, I feel like Mark has sort of let me down when he's put in big spots. Um, and I don't think I've gotten like a signature Mark Davis performance in a match either. See, uh, I would put, I would say that the Walter match yeah. was that performance. Right. And I didn't, and I didn't like them much, uh, nearly as much as a lot of other people did. Right. Um, as opposed to like Kyle Fletcher, where I've felt like Kyle Fletcher, um, 
with the Travis Banks match from uh, Tetsujin or the CCK match from Summer Sizzler or even the uh, Jay White match. Yeah, I was going to say the Jay White match would be the one I'd point to for him. Yeah, even like the Jay White match from Strong Style Evolved UK, I feel like are like really defining Kyle Fletcher performances. And now if I was like judging it based off like in a singles capacity, like who has stood out for me more, I'd probably go Kyle Fletcher still. But either way, I think those are those are probably still been like the two best guys in the UK this year. Uh, and Dylan has asked uh, asked us like who has asked um, who has been like the standouts in that scene this year, and it really hasn't been a lot of guys that have like broken through and like really captured the imagination this year. Um, if we're talking about the like, people like who are like really based in the UK, Walter obviously still works a lot in the UK, but he, obviously he's working like in the United States. He's still working in uh, Germany, Ireland, all that stuff. Uh, I throw Wild Boar in there. Wild yeah, Boar. he would be the, he would be, I was going to talk about him later. Um, if we were going to go to, to our guys, but we can talk about him now. Um, I think Wild Boar has been phenomenal this year. Um, especially in attack pro wrestling where he had what is currently, as I pull up my list here slowly, um, it's in my top 15. Where did I have it exactly? Number 14. Uh, my, my 14th best match of the year with Mike Bird. Um, they, they had a funny feud where Bird turned on him, and instead of doing a big, long tag team breakup feud, they just blew it off in one match, which yeah. I thought was so refreshing. <laughs> it's like, why drag it out? Just let them kill each other. The baby face wins, and we move on with our lives. Um, I thought it was awesome. Um, and they just hit each other with pile drivers to chairs and ridiculous nonsense and it was heated and 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 wild boar is another one of those guys who's he's got a he's got kind of a a different unique body um which you know helps him be the wild boar because he's not tall but he still can project himself as a bigger guy um and and so that lets him have a match with you know will osprey or flash morgan webster where he's throwing them around but he can also have a match with Walter in Riptide where he gets believably beaten badly and can sell it and, and sells really, really, really well. Great facials, um, you know, versatile. He's been working as a heel, uh, a really sadistic heel um, in, uh, in PWC and had a really good match with uh, Sierra Loxton back in June. Um, so he's he's a guy, uh, and I'm 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 happy to see him get a, a look from the WWE. Although I, I can't imagine they're paying him much, um, but he's a he's a guy that that I think has, has really flown under the radar. Um, Welsh wrestling is pretty good. Pe- more people should check out Attack. Um, the, the the Welsh guys, him him and Flash are a good team uh, in the the one nine eight. Um, so I, I I would point to him as kind of the under the radar. Uh, hit guy in the UK this year. Uh, yeah, I would have definitely gone with Boar there. Uh, the one nine eight stuff in progress. Um, in a little in a little bit they've gotten to do. Um, facing the likes of like Eminem, um, which has really been another another one of the uh, breakout acts I would say of the twenty eighteen English scene. Uh, Maverick Mayhew and Connor Mills. Uh, they had a really solid match together. So. It's a year where obviously like there's a bunch of promotions thriving in the UK right now, but there aren't a lot of guys like who are based in the UK sort of freaking out yet. Well, they've kind of lost a lot, right? Yeah, you know, because Zach yeah. Zach has gone to Japan, 
Um, Osprey you know, isn't there as much, obviously. British Strong Style is 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 working WWE half the time now, or when they are working England, it doesn't quite feel as as serious or as special as it used to. Mm. And there's a lot of guys like who you would have thought like would have like stepped up to the plate that really haven't done as well this year. Um, yeah. I point so I point to people like Omari and like Chris Ridgeway, who I like. But they haven't like really stepped up to the plate and delivered. You would think for guys that are like, okay, this team is wide open right now. What are you guys gonna do? Um, someone out there went in there who I think has had a really good year um, is Chris Brooks. I think Chris Brooks. Um, I thought I, th- I personally thought that he had the best uh, Chris Hero match of uh, the Strong Style 16 weekend. Did you and- really? Yeah, I thought he had the. I thought um. Okay. Yeah. Um, I liked that match. Yeah. Keep in mind, I'm like this guy had matches with. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tyler Bate and Zach Gibson that weekend. I thought Chris yep. Brooks came away with like his best match. Um, I really liked him versus C.K. Cooper and um, their in their little feud ender that they had in progress. Um, no DQ match. I liked him versus Travis Banks for the uh, progress title. I liked Chris Brooks and Tetsujin. I really admire how Chris Brooks has made this thing work. Where going from tag team partner to tag team partner because Kid Lekos has a. Uh, been injured off and on and just got injured again. So from teaming with someone like Jonathan Gresham or random tag teams elsewhere, the guy just continues to deliver. Um, I really liked Chris Brooks versus Walter on a smaller Rev Pro show. So yeah, I think Chris Brooks for how versatile he's had to be this year, um, given the circumstances he's been put in and really taking advantage of the singles opportunities he's got, I'd throw Chris Brooks in there as a guy that's taking advantage of a uh, the English scene being wide open right now. I used to like Chris Brooks. I have no idea if he still has it in him. But watch, watch the Gresham, watch the Gresham tag team matches. Like Chris Brooks is a, is a completely different guy when he's teaming with Gresham, and that's I'm looking forward to seeing those. And that's what I've been trying to say about Chris Brooks is that the guy is so versatile that he'll switch it up at the drop of a dime. Like when he's teaming with somebody where that specific CCK act isn't going to work. So he can do that with Lycos because Lycos is a loud mouth and Lycos and him are belligerent and talking shit to fans and gross and disrespectful heels. Like, But that doesn't exactly translate when you're teaming with Jonathan Gresham or Timothy Thatcher. So I think something that I really admire about Chris Brooks this year is how he knows the time and place for everything. Um, well, all right. All right. Do you have anything more to add to the UK question that Dylan proposed? Um, if not, we'll move on to... I would I would only say that with the UK scene maybe having a bit of a down year with, with this exodus of some of the talent that kind of broke out, the Irish scene, in particular OTT, uh, has kind of stepped up. Um, and I... I I really, really enjoy where the Irish scene is at. Uh, I, I watched a, a couple matches from other promotions, and Quentin can probably speak more to that. But, but really, just OTT has had a wonderful year. I think uh, Jordan Devlin is one of the best top faces um, in any promotion in the world. Uh, the, the how deep you identify him with the promotion, with the pride of, of carrying the whole scene on his back, um, and then beyond him. You've got a ton of young kids like Scotty Davis and and Nathan Martin and Terry Thatcher and Michael May um, who are taking opportunities on their smaller shows to 
to really have great matches together. Uh, Scotty Davis had a really cool match with um, with uh, Mark Haskins. Uh, Terry Thatcher had a really good match with Jonah Rock back in March. Um, the, you know, guys that that the imports that they bring in are getting to mix it up with their younger local guys, and it's made for a really really cool year. Um, and now Sean Guinness is back. Uh, he's come back with a with a tremendous run. Uh, it was great in tagging with Devlin. Um, the the match against Walter back in July that set the stage for the big Walter Devlin match in August was terrific. Um, so I'm really really loving the Irish scene, and I think that they're starting to rival uh, the British scene in terms of of quality. And I'd like I'd like to see them continue to break out. Uh, yeah, that's what I would point to as. Um, what's been really helping carry the European scene this year, obviously between OTT and WXW. Um, but yeah, someone like Scotty Davis has been a great story. And Scotty, um, and a lot of those UK guys, a lot of those not UK, not UK guys, but the um, OTT trainees have been uh, making their way to England. Um, Scotty Davis is part of one of the uh, Young Lions and Osprey's new promotion. Um, a lot of the OTT guys made their way to the Fight Club Pro. Uh, uh, semi- like training camp or seminar that they were running um, last weekend or a couple weekends ago. So those guys are starting to uh, know that they're good enough to make things work in England too, and they're taking these chances. But yeah, guys like Scotty Davis and Terry Thatcher and Nathan May and Mike, not Nathan Martin and Michael May. Michael May versus Sean Guinness from the Contender Show the day after Wrestle Rama Two is a fantastic, fantastic match. Um, so, yeah, I think the Irish guys are who you should be looking to this year when there aren't a lot of the uh, English-based or English-born wrestlers uh, having that great of years in 2018. Well, all right, it's going to be interesting to see how those scenes expand because um, it seems like the Irish scene just is not letting up in any shape or form. Um, but to get back to... Patrick's kind of suggestions here. Uh, Asami Kadaka, someone that, from what I've seen, I haven't been too fond of, um, but didn't know if anyone had any differing opinions, more positive things to share um, about Kadaka. Uh, a lot of people have been, I've been seeing people say that Kadaka is like a sleeper, like top 10, maybe even like number one guy. And I've never been nearly as big on Asami Kadaka, but again, like, this has been like the, like the career story for Asami, Asami Kadaka, he's a he's a volume guy. Like between all the promotions that this guy works in, it's hard to deny him because he's gonna work your All Japan's, your Big Japan, your Basara. Obviously, um, the Basara there used to be like a DDT, but the guy is just consummate volume. He has the variety. Um, singles mat, um, regular singles matches, deathmatch singles matches. Deathmatch tag team matches, regular tag team matches, comedy. Like, Asami Kadaka gives you everything. So I can't be mad at that. Um, as far as what Kadaka has done this year, um, he has the really uh, highly acclaimed Masashi Takeda match. Uh, I'll be honest with you, that's not even like my, my favorite Masashi Takeda match that's happened this year, but I liked it a lot. Um, he's had a couple 20 minute draws against. Akito and Daisuke Sakimoto, uh, one being uh, one of them was in Basara. I forgot what the other one was, but two minute draws. And he had another match against uh, Naoki Tanizaki that I liked a lot. 
that again, not nearly as high on as some people, but yeah, I get Kodaka and Kodaka is a guy where even if I'm not as high on his case making stuff, the guy just has too much like variety and volume to deny him. Uh, interesting. Interesting. I think for me, he's always been someone that I don't find mechanically interesting. I don't, I just don't like the way he wrestles. Um, but if you're someone that finds what he does appealing, I know that's the most vague and obvious sense possible. Um, then I suppose um, he consistently does the things that I see from him, if that makes any sense. Um, it's not like I go in and he's not the wrestler I was expecting. Um, I just always go in hoping for something different. Uh, it is my fault that um, my expectations were not aligned with what he's actually capable of or delivers. Um, and the last one was the entire... NGD. Um, obviously, your lucha take here. Um, I have not done my lucha binge yet. Quinn, where are you standing in your your lucha watching right now? Um, are, are these tri- is this trio kind of on tap for your ballot? So, like, uh, Los Dinamitas are weird for me because. I really don't like their trios matches as much as a lot of as much as like a lot of other lucha fans do. They're a really a really fun trio, but I never saw them as like must watch trios matches the way other people did. Now I think what helps their cases is that all three of them are really good singles wrestlers. Um, Sanson, Quatrero, um, and Forastero are all really good. Uh, just a little bit ago, I watched Forrester versus Aldaz from August 17th, which is a really fun lightning match. Uh, Quattrero has the stuff with Angel de Oro earlier in the year. So with a steady with a steady stream of trios matches, and both, all three of these guys have been showing that they're more than capable singles guys. Uh, yeah, I got no problem having them having these guys um, on a battle or even high if you think these are like the best guys in CMLL. Uh, I would disagree, but I totally understand the case, especially when, you know, I think this company is like looking for Rudos right now. And when you have a new fresh batch of uh, young, exciting Rudos who deliver in the ring, I think it's easy to get lashed onto them. And I don't blame, and I don't blame anybody that's really high on um, the Dinamitas. These guys have been very, very, very consistent in everything you can ask of these guys and keep showing you more and more. Um, they were a joy to watch last year. Um, my binge, I think they are a extremely compelling team. Um, they all bring something a little bit different to the table, which I think helps a ton in trios matches. Um, and obviously I think CML trios are just such an easy kind of formula to make work hard to have great matches in it, but, also hard to have terrible matches in it. Um, so them being compelling uh, and then elevating those trios matches is a hoot every time. Um, all right, moving on. Here we go. The last of the undervalued su- suggestions. Um, coming I, got, from- I, got, I, got, I got a few that were added just at me. So uh, when you're done with this, I can run, I can run through those. Well, fair enough. Um in that case, I'm going to go with at Dylan Waco's 
Um, three suggestions here. Slim J and Ace, Slim J, ACH, and Dominic Garini are all not talked about enough. Jeremy Wyatt either. Um, what are our thoughts there? Slim J was someone that we had talked about prior to this suggestion about discussing him and Darius Lockhart um, on this show. And I think I'd like to pocket Slim J for now um, and move on to ACH, someone that you can have talked up a lot. Um, and I feel like I have not seen enough of their work, especially their AAW stuff. Um, so tell me why ACH is ranking highly for you right now. All right. So ACH didn't have a great best of the super juniors. Um, although I do think he had one of the better matches of the tournament um, against Will Ospreay. The case here really is he might've been the best champion in wrestling this year. Um, um, being the AW heavyweight champion uh, match. And this uh, even before he gets the title, um, he has a really fun uh, veteran versus smaller guy match against Paco, where he plays sort of a cocky, uh, undermining heel against this upstart that I liked a lot. But going from his stuff with uh, Keith Lee, David Starr, Jeff Cobb, this guy just has delivered great performances each time out. Um, I get it. ACH is a little goofy. Um, his facial expressions uh, might rub people the wrong way. He might be a little over the top with them. But I think in this AAW uh, clean-cut babyface champion role, it just works because you feel sucked in when you see this guy gasping for air, clutching his hand, and uh, looking blank in the space after Jeff Cobb throws him on his head and things like that. So I th- I don't think there's been a better ace figure in wrestling this year than ACH. And it's some of the most impressive work he's done in a long time. And I was someone that um, was high on ACH's uh, first quarter output in 2017. Thought he had a really good match with Zach, uh, Fred Yehi, Jason Kincaid, uh, Timothy Thatcher, and then he just sort of fell face to earth and wasn't given wasn't being given the same opportunities. And here, I think he's taken advantage of every opportunity that's been given to him in AAW. I'm kind of thinking about that take of who the best ace in wrestling was this year, and I'm I'm I have one at least one that I I'm almost certain that I would like more, but I'm struggling to come up with a ton. It just hasn't been a great year for that role. Um, it's a role that's hard to get over uh, with today's crowd. I would point to Jordan Devlin and OTT. Yeah, pr- probably for that. I would no, also. But that's the thing. You know what? The thing about that, I don't think ACH and Jordan Devlin are like that far apart in like sure. the sort of roles they're they're playing. Yeah, and and like I I watch. It's funny that we Dylan um, mentioned both Slim J and ACH because I started watching uh, their stuff today. And uh, I watched the ACH versus Paco match, um, and it, it isn't representative of his his performance as the champion, so I can't speak to that. But I did jump around that show a little bit, and, and boy, AAW is just not for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't know how much – a lot of it – you know, presentation matters a lot to me, narrative trappings, things like that. Um, it's why I have trouble getting into PWG and, and, and why I love something like WXW or – OTT, it, it, the presentation of it um, and the way that the story is told matters to me. And boy, that Fed is, is not for me. I, I could tell almost immediately. Um, 
But as it is, um, that's a that's a hard role to get over. Um, I did not like ACH's uh, best of Super Juniors run for the second year in a row. I am one of those people that that finds him uh, incredibly hammy and forced. Um, in in that you know I I don't you know to be a comedy wrestler it's hard because you have to be funny. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I, I often, I often don't find him that, um, but he's also clearly a, a incredible athlete and he had a couple matches in best of super juniors, um, particularly one, the one against flip Gordon, which I, I didn't love because I've never have. Um, but he is so good in that match. Um, you know, or, or when he was selling the shoulder and some of the other matches, it's all there. So I believe you, I, I believe that this run was this great. Um, it just, w- w- from what I've seen of ACH, it just hasn't clicked for me. Um, but, but it is kind of funny that that role has sort of fallen out of favor. I, I, I said this yesterday after I got finished watching, uh, ACH versus Jeff Cobb from August 30th. And I don't throw this comparison around that much because I think this wrestler is like so unique in how he does things. But ACH, like honest to God, felt like Tanahashi to me in that Jeff Cobb match. And I couldn't stop thinking about it like this is like such a earnest baby face performance he's not relying too much on doing anything crazy he's like really take like choosing his spots really well the pacing is incredible here like i thought it was like the closest thing i've ever seen to a tanahashi performance from someone that's not tanahashi and to me that's like one of like the highest levels of praise i can give a dude so yeah i I'm not sure how, like, look, I got frustrated because I saw that Brody King beat ACH for the AW title. Um, AW is going to um, Austin, Texas um, in conjunction with um, with the Austin City Limits uh, music festival. So maybe ACH wins it back, wins it back in Texas. But man, if I think he'd still be good without the belt. But man, I'd be really bummed if this great ACH runs just ended that way to a guy that I'm really uh, iffy on at the moment. So off the top of your head, where would you have ACH in your list right now? At least top 20 because the wow. guy because the guy doesn't have like the same volume as a lot of other people, but the output has just been that good. And if I was judging it based off of, I look, not everything is about like the number of great matches someone has had. Obviously, you're going to have to like break down the uh, – performances and how someone has made use of their time and other things like that. And I think if I was just looking at performances, then I'm not sure someone has had like that many better performances than ACH has had against Keith Lee and David Starr and Jeff Cobb during um, during this 2018. So, it sounds like I'm at to check out ACH. It seems like he has a lot of longer matches, which obviously is not in my wheelhouse, but... Yeah, um... the... The 31-minute runtime on the star match scared me off. I will watch it eventually, uh, but it was not going to happen today. Um, being that I watched a couple of 20-minute matches to prep for this podcast, I think I'm getting there. Um, I think I can make it. Um, just got to work up to it. So, now the next one is that was on Dylan's list was Dominic Graney. Um, I think this guy's had a really strong year. Um, obviously he is, his whole gimmick is being a jujitsu practitioner. Um, I think that's what makes him a little bit different than some of the other shooty type of wrestlers, um, that have, or grappling based wrestlers that have popped up on the U S indie scene, um, the past few years, um, or at least 
it's being it's a style that's being more emphasized um in matches they're more able to play into that um but being dominic is a pretty much a pure kind of jujitsu guy um it's more about him finding ways into his submissions rather than um grabbing an arm and grinding it um, or something of that ilk, or slapping the the tar out of someone. Um, it's much more about getting a trial and go locked in, not letting go, um, or breaking a toe. So, does anyone have strong opinions on Mr. Dominic Greeny? Um, before you say the Jeremy White's name, I'll just throw that out there. I haven't seen any Jeremy White this year. Um, so I'm not sure we'll like be able to like offer much about him if Dylan has any recommendations about Jeremy Wyatt, whether it be like on the re- we don't know wrestling forum or something, to not gladly watch it, but I just haven't seen any Jeremy Wyatt this year. Um to Dominic Garini, um, he's a guy that I have never loved. Um a little iffy for me most of the time. But I will say that his Jeff Cobb match um from Sup Graps was maybe the best thing I've seen from Dominic Garini at least since like the first Kane justice match. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say too much about the guy because I haven't seen too much of um, SUP or AIW or Nova pro where he might be getting a, a more high profile uh, looks in more time. I haven't seen um Well, I have, I have seen it, but his evolve run evolve hasn't really given Dom as much as he probably should be given. Um, given the set, given the status of their roster right now, Dominic, Dominic should probably be in the same position that like a James Drake is in or like Anthony Henry is in, but he just isn't. Um, but I think with watching um, more footage in the places where he's a bit more prominent and given more things to do, Dominic can easily find a way onto my list. Yeah, I actually, I, I, the only thing I can speak to of him that I've seen, um, Southern Indies in particular are, are still a bit of a, a, a blank spot for me. Um, but his Evolve run, I think he's I think he's pretty badly underused in that promotion. Um, he had a really fun tag match with Tracy Williams uh, against Rinkampf early in the yeah. year. Um, really, really good match. And then when they turned, uh, they, 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 they broke off Tracy Williams from the group. Um, he's kind of become the third wheel uh, behind Chris Dickinson and Jaka, two guys who I, I don't think can touch him. Even um, even the fourth wheel because he's, he was behind Stokely during right, like, during right, yeah. Too. So yeah, and Stokely was wrestling. Um, so yeah, I mean he was uh, he was way down there, and like I mean, are you are you telling me that that you you would rather have Chris Dickinson out there working than than Dom Garini? Come on. So you know that 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 has just I've really liked Evolve this year. Um, that's been the the catch point thing has been one of the few things that's disappointed me. Um, and I would like to see them give him more chances. And, and he's a guy that I would seek out um, in some other places. Uh, so I thought the ring comp match was shoot great. Um, I think that Don was a large part of that. I know it's not. Yeah, he was hard, awesome in it. Not hard to have a great match against ring comp uh, in 2018. Um, but I think it rose to that level. Um, if you haven't, go watch the Greeny versus Gunnar Miller, Miller match from April in Action wrestling. Um, that is a awesome match. Gunnar Miller, the former um, Chattanooga football player, um, who is just a uh, shit brick house and just runs through other human beings at will. Um, and kind of that dynamic coming into play with the grappler trying to um, catch uh, this 
locomotion um, from slamming into him, um, grabbing a submission whenever he can, um, but finding that to be a more challenging task um, than he would hope uh, against a much larger opponent. Um, then the match versus Juice Robinson uh, from January in AIW is awesome. I think Juice Robinson obviously super entertaining professional wrestler. Um, and Dominic just provides, again, a different dynamic every time he goes out there. He just he, He's putting these wrestlers that I'm used to seeing. Um, and then how does Dominic play off their style? Um, again, another really good match. Um, the Gresham match from Nova Pro in June um, is probably, I would say, the basement for these two can do. Um, but it's a fun match, obviously, because they're both training to hunting grapplers, um, and then the, uh, the big Stoke, um, on the outside with that kind of relationship going on, um, is fun to watch. Um, then, uh, the final match to point to is from Bloodsport, um, the opener to Bloodsport versus KTB, Kyle the Beast, um, not the best match on that card, far from it, um, but I thought it was a really good, really solid opener for that show, and really set, uh, set the tone. So, that's what I have on, uh, on Big Dom here. Um, and then, none of us are all too familiar with Jeremy Wyatt. Um, so, Dylan, put those suggestions um, over in the forums. Um, that would be deeply appreciated. WDKWrestling.FreeForums, one word, dot net. Um, oh, yeah. So, I, so I, had a, I had a couple that um, got mentioned to me. Um, one Trent Seven. Uh, I think me and I can both do Trent Seven here. Yeah. Uh, Trent Seven has Trent Seven hasn't had a lot of singles matches. Um, so really, a lot of the case here is just the tag stuff against Undisputed Era. Yeah, and that's almost all the case, frankly. Yeah, but at the same time, like it's a good the, case. <laughs> yeah, all three of those are really fucking good matches, and yeah. you know, Roddy and Kyle are a fantastic team, but. Trent Seven uh, has been my best guy. Has been my favorite guy in these matches. So the the best of their three was the full sale match, and he was the best guy in that match. So yeah, that's a, he, I mean that's a pretty high level of praise. Yeah, and even in uh, um the match from Takeover, I really liked how um they give you the misdirection of um undisputed error working over Tyler Bates leg and the whole match. And then as Trent Seven is in down the stretch, they remind you like, oh yeah, Trent Seven's leg is fucked up with the chop block and then the quick finish. Um, so I really liked everything I've seen Trent Seven in. Um, I made this point last year when me and Timothy did the uh, Psychology is Dead Top 50 Wrestlers of 2017. But I don't know how many great matches Trent Seven can be in before people are like, okay, maybe Trent Seven is good. Like, yeah, I feel like people like really begrudgingly just don't want to admit that Trent Seven might be good. Well, he's not the cool guy in his stable, right? Yeah, yeah he's, no, he's Kevin Jonas. He's the the comedy older third guy, but he really is good. Uh, Timothy made this point last year, but um, a wrestling comparison to this might be like Akira, like like Akira Tawe when it came to like the four pillars, and people people that love Akira Tawe got scoff at that, but like. That was Tawei's reputation back then. Is like, oh, here, look at Toshiaki Kawada, Kenta Kabashi, Mr. Masawa. Look how cool they are and how awesome they are. Oh, and here's Tawei. He's here too when he has a weird body. 
even though Talway is like part of the part of like these all time classic uh, tournaments and singles matches and tag matches and trios matches, he's been in all of these. So I'm just thinking like how long before a lot of those people that like big up like a Karen Talway come around to like maybe Trent Seven has been a good wrestler this whole time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what if he was good all along? <laughs> um, no, but he is. He is. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for. I'm not overly excited for, but I'm. I'm looking forward to his match with Doug Williams at Wembley. Um, I, I kind of wish he was given a little bit more of a single spotlight. Um, you know, it's funny. Last year, not knowing really anything about the English scene, when they did the UK tournament um, at the beginning of 2017. Trent Seven came into that tournament to someone who knew nothing about them, feeling like the the presumptive favorite. Yeah, like, um, like that's like and that's something that people forget about that um, Englishman at the time is that Tyler Bate wasn't really like the like the big guy. Not at, at all. Time. Not you at know? all. No, Trent, he, was, he was, I think WWE got him over more than anything else. Oh, totally. um, Trent Seven was was the guy who, when you looked at that bracket and the way that they were presented. Within WWE's marketing, Trent Seven was pushed as the presumptive favorite to win the tournament, and and came off like a really big deal. Um, I I I think I think he does. I don't think he does any more comedy than Bate or Dunn do, but he gets he gets knocked for it more, and I don't really understand that. Yeah, now he... I I think he's had the least of the three in terms of their year, and will finish the lowest of the three on my list because he just hasn't had the singles stuff that the other two have had. And, and, and I think Tyler will finish substantially higher than the other two. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that Trent Seven is a bad wrestler and, and he's a he's a borderline top 50 candidate for me. Yeah, it's the thing where I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with Doug, um, especially after like the little a- anecdote he gives um, on one of the chapter shows about how he started his career career late. And how as an older guy, what if he did get to start in that same era as your Doug Williams and your Johnny Storms and your Jody Fleischers? Would he have panned out the same way? What is what if career? Would he have like been as big as he is now? Who knows? But right now we're gonna see him go up against one of like the benchmark guys of the era that he like was supposed to be in. So I'm like really really interested to see how that match goes. Um, I forgot to mention he has a pretty good Zack Sabre Jr. match from early in the year maybe in like february or something i think i missed that where was uh, that um it was the same show that had like fletcher versus speedball and davis versus dunn uh where a lot of the ma- a lot of those matches that sound like really great on paper weren't great but they were all good um i'll, try, I'll get the date i'll get the date for you on that later okay cool but, yeah i missed that whole show yeah but he has a match against Zach that i thought was the best match on that show um yeah just start appreciating start appreciating Trent Seven, I guess. I will not. Um, <laughs> all, all right, um, I we I, just made an impassioned five minute argument for the guy, and Sam shoots it down in three words. Um, <laughs> I have I've missed a lot of suggestions here for undervalued wrestlers, so we're gonna I'm gonna work it back. All right. Um, from our 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 dear close personal friend Coro. Um, at the underscore Coro, C-O-R-W-O, um, undervalued wrestlers. Cody Ameda, Ricky Marvin, who we've talked about, Mike Bailey, Aramis, and Taxon. Um, 
I could talk. Photo made a hell yeah. All right, let me get let me get the loser guys out the way first. Um, other than Ricky Marvin, uh, talk scene, uh, the real case for him, he's been in a lot of those um really fun AAA tags, but I think the I think the big case defining stuff for him is the couple of matches he has against Flystar. Um, the place this match they have is fucking insane. It's really long, so that might scare some people off. But it's some of the most batshit insane stuff you'll see all year. So I would highly, highly implore people to go check out the stuff he has with Flystar. Um, Arami's a lot of the same stuff. Um, great in these big multi-man matches and tag matches. And really the crown jewel of his case is a match he has against Echicero from Lucha Memes, that is. You know, if you love Echicero, you know the kind of like grappling goodness that he brings to the table. And getting to work with a smaller guy brings out the bully in Echicero, and I thought they had a really neat dynamic. Now let's move from the which guys to to do T wrestlers, uh, Omeda and Bailey. Um, I've only seen one Omeda match versus Dick Togo, which ruled. But my guess is the new uh, DT stand Evan. Um, and longtime DDD Stan Quentin um, can enlighten me more to the lad. Don't call Quentin a stand. He doesn't <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right, do you want to do you want to go ahead on you on you meta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've just recently become uh, gotten really really into DDT. Um, they're my my favorite Japanese promotion that I've I've gotten into by a mile. Uh, I still have uh, Big Japan and uh, eventually at some point Dragon Gate uh, to get into. Um, so I'll be able to talk more about Takoya Nomura um, in the future, probably the pretty near future. Um, but as far as uh, Koto Maeda is concerned, um, this is a kid that you got to keep your eye on. Uh, he is uh, – he was in the, the Shoot and Doji um, tag team, uh, has been split off from them, and is, is starting to make his way as a young singles babyface. And, and this kid is already – he's what, 21, 22, if that um, – yeah. And he's he's already really really good. I mean, throws great stiff kicks. Um, he's got a, an you know fairly diverse arsenal of moves. A good seller, um, good storyteller. Uh, I've been really really impressed with what I've seen from him in his trial series. Uh, had a really great tag match against um, Sekimoto and Higuchi, uh, tagging with uh, with Mao uh, that I thought was was absolutely fantastic, uh, and that he might have been the best guy in it. Uh, he's not getting the, the level of opportunity, uh, at this point that he'll be uh, a top, uh, even a top 50 guy. Um, but he'll probably not probably, he will make my hundred. Um, and he's got a chance within a couple of years, uh, to be a serious breakout star. Um, so I think the first time Sam had saw you made it was that Dick Togo match, right? That is correct. And one of the things you mentioned was like something about like comparing him to Kenta and like a lot of like obviously like when you like think of okay stiff cake shooty boy young punk like archetype that you get in Japan like for a lot of people like Kenta is the first thing that comes to mind and Kenta's one of my all-time favorites you made it like the closest thing I think we've gotten to Kenta in a while I kind of like that comp yeah thinking about that that's a that's a cool comparison yeah he's the closest thing I've gotten to that feeling in a while especially when it comes to like the offense and the way he carries himself. Uh, no nonsense, no bullshit. He doesn't care about shaking your hand and 
respect and all that stuff. He's here to hit, kick you, inform you in the neck as hard as he can. And really, that's enough for me to love a guy. Um, the tag stuff, and he's had a lot of the really good tags and six-man tags um, for those titles. Uh, been one of the stars of, Ma- of Maji Manji. Uh, the singles matching at Saguchi, which goes like six minutes, is fucking awesome. He, we mentioned the Dick Toga match a couple of times. Really great match. Good match against Masato Tanaka. Evan mentioned the match against Higuchi and Sakimoto where he teams with Mao. So this guy, with the opportunity he's been given, he's knocked it out of the park every single time. Now, he doesn't get the same level of push that uh, Kazusada Higuchi or even Mao gets, but I think that's only going to change with time. And with the announcement of, of DDT running a second D-King this year, I only hope that Cody Yamada makes it into the field because I think with the output he's had this year, he is more than worthy of a spot. Uh, real chance of making my top 50, I think he's been one of like the top 10 guys in Japan this year. So I could really see him making my top 50. Top 50? I would say it's absurd, but cannot contextualize that. Um, I apparently need to dig even more into him. Um, let's move on, though, and talk about Mike Bailey, the... Uh, wrestler that got expelled from the United States of America, went to the UK, and then went to Japan. I may have mixed up the order, but has really found a home in DDT. I mean, this guy is top five. Yeah, I don't luck for my top ten for me. (laughs) I really hope people aren't undervaluing speedball. Um, I, I mean, but if he's, I mean, but if they are, like, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's he's more likely than not to make my top ten. Uh, I don't quite know if he'll reach the top five, but he's got a shot. Uh, especially if there's a second D King in 2018, uh, as it has been revealed uh, that uh, that DDT is pushing up their round robin tournament from January to December, which will help those guys. Uh, and if his run is anything like the first one then yeah, he's got a shot because, uh, yeah, the, the guy is, is, I mean, what else can you say about him? If you haven't seen him, go watch his matches. He's fucking awesome. Um, uh, I mean, like, shit, like, go with the best, like, in my opinion, the best guy um, in D-King. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. From from uh, January. Um, matches with Keith Lee and Walter and Bobby Guns. Uh, where you just, All like, incredible top thirty match of the year kind of matches. Um, a really fun ambition run. Uh, I thought his match with David Starr was fucking excellent. I thought uh, Thatcher versus Speedball was fucking excellent. Uh, Speedball versus Haskins from Inner Circle was fucking had a, great had a too. tremendous match with Bad Bones. Um, for the uh, for the unified title back in in February at Dead End. Um, even um, the match teaming with Walter to face Bobby Guns and um, Bad Bones. Yep, on, on, on the first a, night. Yeah, on, on the first night of Carrot. I even really liked um, uh, Speedball versus Travis Banks. Um, from Riptide, I thought that was pretty. I thought that was a really fun match. Uh, God, I, uh, Mike Bailey and Mao versus uh, Kazusada Higuchi and Daisuke Sekimoto from Majimanji. Mike Excellent. Bailey is. Excellent match. Mike Bailey might be the best guy in that match. Him and Sekimoto have amazing interactions, and 
look, it's been like two years of Kazusada Higuchi and Mike Bailey going at it. Though, like that is Mike Bailey's like defining opponent. Those two they're, are absolutely. Their match with D King was unbelievable. Yeah, their match with Shuji Shikawa and D King was tremendous. Uh, the uh, match with Sakaguchi uh, in like D King, like Akito, the Kyoto match a lot. Like, yep, he's got a great match on a um, on a festival show that they did a double header with B uh, with Big Japan. Um, he's got a great great match against Takashita where they're at this like very casual festival crowd and they just kill each other and it, for no reason at all. But that's Mike Bailey, right? He's going to go out there, and there is never uh, a drop-off from him. There's no, uh, there's no you know, lower-gear Mike Bailey match. To me, that, that's a sign of a, of a wrestler of the year caliber wrestler is a guy who doesn't have a lower gear. Uh, he just doesn't. He, he's out there, and he just, he just rips shit <laughs> every single time. He's one of the, the biggest guarantees in wrestling. Uh, um, yeah, and if you're an American wrestling fan – who doesn't get to see him a lot because he's 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 not in the United States. It's probably better for him that he isn't, to be yeah. honest, uh, because he's he's not from a. I I can't speak to him uh, from a from his personal life. That's not what I mean. But like from a from a wrestling quality standpoint, it's probably better that he is wrestling outside the United States because the kind of opportunities he's getting, the kind of opponents he's getting, and the kind of matches he's having are, are world class. I mean, like, I don't even think you've seen this match, but he had a match with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. What culture early in the year? No, I haven't seen it. Like, really gruesome, gruesome match. Um, But yeah, I mean, God, if you if you don't if you're not watching Mike Bailey, if you're not talking about Mike Bailey, then shit, man, I don't know what to tell you because you're missing like, yeah, like like literally one of like the ten best wrestlers on the planet right now. Yeah, legitimate front runner, totally. Well, all right, let's move on. Do, do, do. Okay. From at Ben Thrifty. B E E N Thrifty. He's Bean Thrifty. Ben Thrifty. What, undervalued. Here we go. True Gulak. Abdullah Kobayashi. Tajiri. Narokasis. Hajisero. Um, if you want to. you guys? Quinn, if you want to take the Lucha guys, you can. I'll take Casas and Echizero. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what has been with Casas this year. I think the Ricky Marvin match was good. But he hasn't gotten a lot. And obviously, like, Casas doesn't need a lot to be great. He can do that in trios matches. He can do that in tag matches, singles matches. He doesn't need that many opportunities to be Nego Casas because Casas always rules. But, yeah, not, not a lot. For me to like seriously consider him this year, uh, you did have the Aramis match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edgy Saro. I just mentioned the Aram- Aramis match he had. He has a really good title match against Stuka Junior. Um, I like the Guerrero Maya Lightning match a lot. Edgy uh, Saro is probably perennially, perennially like my favorite guy in Mexico. Like he's not this year. But he hasn't gotten the same opportunities when um, the same work he's got outside of CMLL so far this year than he's gotten in like 2016, 2017. So I can't give him a super high ranking right now. But yeah, I mean, as you said, like every time he gets the opportunity, he's going to deliver. Uh, and I can't speak to Abdullah Kobayashi, and I've only seen a handful of Tajiri matches. And 
the only stuff I can say about Tajiri is that people are better than he's being given credit for. A lot of people are acting like Tajiri is like washed up because he's not doing the same kind of stuff he was doing in like ECW or like 2002 WWE, which is kind of strange. No, but like Tajiri's doing like really awesome mat work right now. And I think a lot of people would appreciate that um, if they actually like gave Tajiri a watch. Like you get that first glimpse of Tajiri busting out the kind of mat work in like 2016 with that uh, Grand Talik uh, CWC match. And really his uh, All Japan run has been a lot of that stuff. So if you're into the, that style that Tajiri is starting to bring, then I would definitely recommend checking about checking out All Japan stuff. Uh, when I get around to more of the junior tournaments that uh, uh, All Japan is running, even the Junakiyama match, I haven't even got a chance to see yet. The Junakiyama then the match ju- is very good and really puts on display that now you were talking about. Yeah, I haven't gotten to see the Junakiyama match yet, but yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, I would definitely recommend giving Tajiri more of an eye. Yeah, I should uh, do that. I haven't seen any of him this year. Um, and I was lucky enough to to see him live last year. Um, he wrestled a 205 live match after SmackDown in Jacksonville. Uh, it was one of the only a couple times that he ever appeared on that show. Um, and it was kind of cool to, you know, stumble into – it was a squash, but it was kind of cool to, like, get to see Tajiri live. I think it was his debut, actually. Um, but, uh, yeah, I should definitely give him more of a look. Um, and Evan, you can take away Drew Gulak's eye since I'm not nearly as big as a 205 Live fan as you. Can I, can I talk about 205 Live now? You I, can I like also a, tackle, um, at MIS podcast, military industrial suplex, because theirs was the entire 205 Live rosters are valued, specifically well, calling out Mustafa Ali. It's very difficult for me to say that anybody in WWE is undervalued by the wrestling community um, since they're talked about so much. If anyone is, it's these guys. Um, and uh, there are Drew, – Drew Gulak has had a very, very good year. Um, I'm sure most people saw his SummerSlam pre-show match with Cedric Alexander. Uh, his two best matches have been with Mustafa Ali on 205 Live. Um, he, uh, he was really, really good in the tournament, had unique matches against – Tony Nese, of all people, uh, he's been able to get a good match out of twice. Um, and uh, he had a good match with Mark Andrews. Uh, so, you know, Drew Gulak has had, I mean, Drew Gulak is a guy that if he were still working at the volume that he was on the independence, I mean, he'd be a wrestler of the year caliber wrestler. Um, he's, he's that good. Uh, he's kind of got the WWE body now. You, you can tell he's bulked up a lot. Um, but he's, his mat work is elite. Uh, he's he's so nasty and mean. I mean, it's all the stuff that people love about him. Um, you know, wh- wh- wherever he was working on the indies uh, in Evolve or, or you know, where, where his other his other hot spots. Um, he's still doing all that. He just doesn't get to do it as often. Um, but the two guys on 205 Live that are having top tier years for me and have gotten enough matches and have impressed enough times where I can say that they built a case that stands amongst the top 20 or so wrestlers in the world this year are Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy. Um, Mustafa Ali people have, have kind of seen as a hidden gem for a couple of years now um, when he got over in the Chicago indie scene um, and then had uh, came into the CWC as an alternate uh, and then kind of stole the show um, in the first round with Lince Dorado. Uh, had either the, the second or third best match of the first round, um, got signed and has established himself as, as sort of the um, he, he and, and Cedric are kind of the dual aces of, of 205 Live. 
Cedric has the title, but but Ali really is the 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 they call him the heart of the show, and it is pretty apt branding in this instance. Um, he has had uh, great matches with wrestlers as as varied as Cedric, um, Gulak, as we mentioned, Buddy Murphy, Hideo with Tommy, um, who a lot of people like to like to slag, and and I myself kind of wrote off, but have have started to come around on. Uh, in large part to to what Ali's been able to do with him. Had a great, great match with Jack Gallagher in that tournament back in February. Um, and just just continues to be one of the most inspiring baby faces in the world. And then the guy that that nobody knew, remembered existed. Uh, what if what if anyone had said you would be talking about Buddy Murphy as a top twenty wrestler of the year? Um, I mean, it, it, but he's. It's funny. We have a, a a joke in our our group chat where where we refer to him as um as uh, Buddy Omega because uh, he really does he really is kind of like WWE's version of Kenny Omega in the style that he works. Uh, just uh just you know vicious, relentless, huge offense. Um, uh, the he even does a V trigger. Um, he's he's really really good at it too. Um, he has had great, great matches with Ali. They had a series of them, but he's been able to branch out outside of him. Had a couple of great matches with Kalisto. Uh, he had a really great title match with Cedric Alexander. Uh, he had the Tornado Tag match a couple of weeks ago where we finally got to let Grand Metalik out of his cage, and he was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and it was my favorite 205 Live match of the year, uh, the Tornado Tag match with, with Grand Metalik and Lynn Siderato against uh, Murphy and Tony Nese from August 21st. Uh, and it was just announced uh, about 20 minutes ago that it'll be Grand Metal League versus Buddy Murphy next week, um, which should absolutely tear down the house of whatever crowd that they show up is skeptical of and then is chanting, this is awesome by the end of the match. Um, I, I, I wish more people would watch 205 Live. I really wish more people would watch smaller promotions first. But if you're a WWE person, and that's totally fine. Uh, it was me as of six months ago. Um 205 Live is the best wrestling in the company by far on a week-to-week basis, and Ali and Murphy in particular uh, are are really having outstanding years, but also Cedric, Gulak, uh, even Itami, um, Roderick Strong had a great run, so I, I cannot cannot ask you to watch that show enough. It's just a really good 45, even just the 15 minutes to watch the main event every week is uh, is worth doing. Um, well, you got it in, Evan. How do you feel? Got it in. Um, 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 there's still a little, uh, still a little fed boy left in me. Um, all right, moving on then. Um, Quinn, unless you want to add anything to the 205 Love Fest. No, I, I no, really doesn't like it. I don't watch 205 Live like that. I really don't. Like, a lot of the hype matches, I mean, I like, I loved Mustafa Ali versus Jack Gallagher, and I really liked, uh, the first Ali versus Murphy match. But a lot of the other 205 Live stuff that people were really hyping up just didn't do it for me, and I haven't gone back to watch it since then. So um, I will eventually end the year, probably just to give guys like Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy a fair chance to make my list. But it just didn't leave that big of an impression on me. Well, all right, then. Let's move on to at another spammer who gives us the following undervalued wrestlers. Scalibur, who I don't know if that's a shoot, um, Eddie Kingston, Jake Parnell, and Gary J. Um, is is Scalibur a shoot, Quentin? Should I know more about Scalibur? 
Scalibur feels like a joke, okay. a joke candidate. So I, I know Spammer has some interesting taste in professional wrestling. Um, so I could see that being a legit, but also uh, I got, not I legit. Because no, I've never heard anyone throw Scalibur in there, and I don't know your your relationship with them, so I don't I don't know. Um, um, well, then in that case, we do have Garrett Day, Jay, Jake Parnell. Um, and Eddie Kingston, uh, Parnell and Gary G obviously so closely linked. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, um, I've seen like maybe two matches for each guy this year, and one of them is a match against each other. And granted, that match against each other is really fucking good and insane. I think even Evan saw that match, um, early on into him getting into uh, indie wrestling. Do you remember watching Gary J versus Jake Parnell? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, the last man standing match, I thought it was awesome. Um, really great, unintentional, bloody mess from Jake Parnell. Um, I need to see their steel cage match, which was apparently almost as good. Um, and the other Jake Parnell match I've seen this year is against Anthony Henry from Freelance. Um, so yeah, I think those guys I would need to do some catch up on. I haven't seen SCI yet. Um, so both of those guys, I can't really give strong thoughts on right now. Uh, funny enough, Eddie Kingston, who's a guy that um, I've never really been fond of, has had a really fun year th- this year, I think. Um, a lot of that is being attached to David Starr, uh, who I think has been one of the best wrestlers on the planet this year. But Eddie Kingston, I don't know what it is. I just think he's been really fucking fun to watch. Um the match of Fred Gayhai and AW, I really, really enjoyed and might be the best Fred Gayhai match that's happened in 2018 this year. Um, I really liked um, the Star Kingston versus the Besties uh, title switch from a few days ago. I thought that was fun. Uh, ACH and the Besties versus wrestling, I thought was really good. So yeah, Eddie Eddie wouldn't doesn't have a shot at like like making my top 100 as it stands right now. Uh, maybe in about a week or so, if he does wind up having like this like little title feud versus ACH, um, if he does carry that carry this like David Starr story up until Windy City Classic, and those guys uh have a match against each other or a match against another team, but Eddie Kingston as a guy that I've never really loved has genuinely surprised me this year and i've enjoyed seeing him on my screen i would shout out the blood sport match with uh with tracy williams yeah i, yeah, I totally forgot about that that and i thought ju- was was other than the main event which i really liked um and obviously riddle knew you know what to do on his own show and suzuki is the, the consummate professional um but uh but I, th- I thought that was the best the second best example of what they were actually going for on that show i thought it was really really good and i thought eddie was awesome in it yeah, um, I'll I'll know the second best best match on the show too, but my favorite being um Walter versus Tom Lawler. So again, like I'm right there with you, thinking Eddie had like the second best match on that show too. So yeah, I got nothing bad to say about Eddie. I think maybe if I got this, if he got some more singles opportunities, um, I could maybe see him squeezing into my squeezing into like my bottom ten in the top one hundred, but um. We'll see in a, we'll see in like a couple months or so if Eddie gets a, a few more of those matches. Yeah, I think the Kingston versus Williams match obviously is can, a match that a lot of people are able to see because of happening on WrestleMania weekend. I think was the surprise of that show. Um, 
the gear Kingston was rocking was a plus <laughs> plus. Yeah, uh, it was. Um, that singlet was something to behold. Um, everyone should watch the match if if just for that. Um, obviously, Quentin talked about the Ahe versus Kingston match. Um, incredible stuff of a W. Um, I was a big fan of the Star Kingston Cobb versus um, Rascals and Keith Lee match from April in AAW. Um, I thought it was an extremely entertaining trios match. Um, and then he's had some just good matches where it kind of emphasizes that Kingston's really good about creating an environment for his matches and elevating something where the content of it is not exactly sizzling, but um, the way he's just interacting with the fans, the way he's interacting with his opponent just adds a little gravity to it so it doesn't feel like a stale singles match that's just trying to have a wrestling contest. Um, Examples of that being his match against MJF from February in IWA Mid-South, his match from March in GCW, uh, against Reed Bentley, which is a fun little brawl, um, and then his match in January in AAW against Kevin Lee Davidson. So I think he has a lot of stuff um, to go out there and check out, um, and a couple of great matches in the AA versus Williams match. Um, all right, moving on. Next up, we have Phoenix from at. Akil Khalid, um, A-Q-E-E-L-K-H-A-L-I-D. Um, Phoenix has a number one case based on quantity. Agree or disagree, folks? No. No, no, just, no, 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 no. Just based on quantity? Then, yeah, if it's just based on quantity, sure, but... No, I... but even then you've got guys like Walter and, and Zach who wrestle all the time who are leagues better right right right, right 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 but if it was just like a, quant- a quantity well, actually, like... he's an interesting one him and pentagon jr are kind of linked together in this and i want to ask you about this quentin because i am not i i know i know very little about lucha i don't particularly care for phoenix um i find his moves or his matches to be very spotty um very little matters in them i don't find them to have story threads that are compelling or interesting or different I find many of his matches to be the same um, without much variation, and I don't find it to be a particularly compelling formula. Is Phoenix a great luchador, and I'm just not getting lucha? Or am I on to something here, and Phoenix is kind of overrated and is just a a big spotty guy? Uh, I think he's good for the big spotty guys in lucha, but you're not wrong. I think the best qualities of Phoenix, he really doesn't get to show off because that's not what – um, that particular super indie super indie audience is looking to looking to Phoenix for right. That's um, not what Booker's are bringing him in to do. Right. Um, one of my favorite Phoenix match, Phoenix um, match from this year has been um, Phoenix versus Mel Martes versus uh Jeremiah Crane, also known as Sammy Callahan. Um, and grave kind of grave consequences match from Lucha Underground. Um, and that gets to the root of why I thought Phoenix was great back in like 2015 or so is that he's a really really good bleeding and sympathetic baby face um and just because of the nature of u.s indie wrestling isn't really what what that's geared to um and because he does a little more dazzling things and you know just bleeds and gets and getting punched in the head that's not what people are exactly looking to phoenix for but 
if he was doing more of that this year, then I probably can see him on. But um, in spite of how spectacular Phoenix is, like he does some incredible stuff. The fucking kip up off the top rope. Yeah, no, like, the, the dude's an unbelievable athlete. But yeah. like, you know, t- to me, I don't watch wrestling to watch gymnastics. You know, I there needs to be a little bit more depth to it. And in his, I'm not saying that he can't do this because everybody loved him on Lucha Underground, and I will watch that show eventually. And I'm sure he was brilliant. Um, in the matches that he has had in major American Indies this year, there hasn't been any depth to them. No, it's been it's been super one note. Yeah. Um. Um. And even in, in the spotty stuff, I think someone like Soberano Jr., um, who might not be as athletic as Phoenix, has made um, better use of um, his spots. Or even someone like Bandito, who I don't love either, um, has made great use of the spots um, that he's been given this year. I think it's easy to take Phoenix for granted in some ways because you kind of get numb to how, how um, athletic and dazzling he is. It's the same thing I've mentioned about guys like uh, Ricochet before, where once you get accustomed to seeing them, you kind of get numb to it, even though they're some of the most insane athletes wrestling will ever see. But no, you're not wrong. Um, I'm not going to say Phoenix is overrated, but for what I like in wrestling and for the way you watch wrestling, like Phoenix isn't my guy, and he's a, he definitely isn't going to be your guy as it stands right now. Yeah, uh, Pentagon has the potential to do that, but Pentagon hasn't had to, you know, bust his ass in a match in such a long time. Um, now, granted, he apparently had a really good match um, with uh, Sammy Callahan um, at Slammiversary that I haven't gotten around to seeing, but I believe it because those two have had good matches together. People who I trust who saw All In almost uniformly said that him and Kenny Omega was the best match on that show. Right, um... And I, I, yeah, and I and I and I haven't gotten around to seeing anything from that show either, so you know I'll have to wait and see on Pentagon. But a lot of it is Pentagon just hasn't had to try as much. And I'll and I'll say this that Pentagon has been um working uh the me- me- Mexican Indies and all that stuff. He has a really fun match against Caristico that I thought that I liked a lot. So maybe if a little, if I watch a little bit more, Pentagon would have a better chance at making my list. Than Phoenix. Um, well, there you go. I have seen not nearly enough of Phoenix this year. Um, I can tell you the Christian Casanova match that he has um, in new in April. Pretty darn good. Um, that's about all I can tell you. Um, so if you have the High Spots Wrestling Network, go check that out. Moving on, then. Okay, I think the only three left are ones that are added you, Quentin. Do you want to rattle them off? All right, yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, maybe maybe just this one I have left. But right, the last one I have left right here is the Young Bucks. Uh. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Evan could really not Evan. I mean Sam could really offer much of an opinion on the on <laughs> well, the Young Bucks right now. This is very funny to to, to hear them as undervalued. I think mm-hmm. even he was one of their biggest fans. Not maybe not their biggest fans. They have very rabid fans. But as someone who likes them a whole lot, um, I don't I don't think you would say that they're undervalued by the people who will be voting on this poll. Would you? Uh, on on in this poll, yeah. 
not like I don't know. If this is like something that like VOW was running, like maybe not. But for the kind of voter pool, I think Sam pulls from. I don't think a lot of people like are really that into the Young Bucks. I'll tell you what, I, uh, I Quentin and I have had discussions about the Young Bucks several times, and uh, I'm the kind of fan that just I I don't like their sticky matches where where the most important thing is that everyone in the crowd gets to tell themselves that they're in on the joke and that it's not about actually telling a story. However, I think the Young Bucks this year, and particularly in Ring of Honor, interestingly enough, have turned themselves towards, I don't want to say more serious because I don't want to devalue comedy and wrestling when it's done right. But what did we call it? Prestige wrestling? That's such an annoying term to use. I know, I know, but like it's a kind of sort of like, you know, the sort of like Oscar bait wrestling. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Um and and I think, you know, they're they're clearly they're clearly capable of having incredible matches. Um the Young Bucks Golden Lovers tag is still my tag team match of the year. Will make my top 20, 25 matches of the year. Um they will both make my top 50 easily. They could both easily make my top 30. Uh, and they're my number two tag team of the year right now behind Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. So, you know, and this is coming from someone who is not a Young Bucks fan. Uh, I, I still think they're great. So if you're going to come out and be like, oh, the Young Bucks suck, like you're just wrong um, because they're great wrestlers. The gimmick you cannot like. That's fine. I don't, you know, I don't like the, the shtick matches. And I haven't liked all of the really hyped Young Bucks stuff this year. Um, I didn't like the just from early in the year in Japan. Other than the Golden Lovers match, I haven't really liked their New Japan stuff much at all. The LIJ stuff is all right. Um, but uh, really, really hoping they get to mix it up with Suzuki Gun uh, and with Ring Comp at some point. Um, but but yeah, I, I think the Briscoes feud in Ring of Honor was awesome. Uh, they're, they're, they're having a good year. And, and if people aren't paying attention to the Young Bucks, I guess they should. Um, because uh, they're they're obviously a, a wonderful tag team. Um, yeah, as it stands, um, Young Bucks. Um, so the way the way I do things are like on my personal top fifty when I do the podcast. I like like tag teams will be like uh like one entity, but for purposes of the we don't know wrestling hundred where that's not a thing. Uh, I have to rank those guys separately. So those guys would probably be in my top twenty as it stands right now. Um, honestly, for a lot of, for a lot of the year, I was thinking about Matt ja- Matt Jackson um making my top ten. I may and have, I, I will have Matt higher than Nick. I may have Matt more than one spot higher than Nick. Yeah, doesn't I might have Matt more than one spot higher than Nick this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I mean, I I like the Rumble three K matches, but even beyond those, um, the Young Bucks um and Flip versus SoCal Uncensored at Supercard of Honor was fucking incredible and one of the best ladder matches I've seen in years. Rocked. Um the Hung Bucks, uh pay, um the Bucks and Page versus uh SoCal Uncensored in, in the street fight. Love that was really that was really great. Uh Bucks and Page versus the Briscoes and Punishment Martinez on TV. Fucking great match. Young Bucks versus Briscoes on TV from May eleventh. Really fucking great match. Um the Young Bucks versus the Briscoes from Best in the World. Um, I thought one of the best tag matches of the year. Truthfully, I thought it was like really, really laid out in an interesting and unique way, and I just loved it from start to finish. And the crown jewel, obviously, the Young Bucks versus Golden Lovers uh, tag from March. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's a career, it's a career year for these guys. Um, they have higher peaks than like Austin Aussie Open, and I think that's why I sort of give them the nod at number one. But even then, they have the volume. Like those guys, they have like one of the best TV feuds of the year against the Briscoes. Um, even the SoCal and Censor stuff, you get the one for feud of the year. So these guys have Matches. been deliver have been delivering. Um, I didn't even mention the Young Bucks versus Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal from the um from the ROH from the ROH England shows. Another really awesome match. I mean, look, this is one of those undeniable years for these guys, and they've been capable of having years like this before. It's just um, you know, sort of the cool command thing. When you, like when you find something that something that makes money for you, and you realize you don't have to like, you know switch it up or do something, you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. As a lot of people say, then that's what that, then that's the product of what we have the last couple of years. But right now, these guys seeing that they can control their own narratives and be more creative, seeing how much power and pull they have in wrestling right now has proven to be a good thing because they've been having some of the best matches of their career. It's um, a good way to put it. Cause like, again, as someone who's inclined to dislike them and someone who doesn't like the influence that they've had, on on wrestling crowds and wrestling fandom, I will not be able to keep them out of my top thirty or thirty-five. That's how good they've been. So yeah, I'm not sure the Young Bucks are under the radar picks, but I mean, still an undeniable year for those guys, I would say. Um. All right, there we go. Obviously, um, they're being this. This may be one of their. This may be their career year. Um. From a notoriety standpoint, um, and developing, uh, delivering performances that are very unique, um, and that very much fit into the kind of 2018 canon. Um, but all right, let's move on. We're out. We have one more kind of tweet, um, but I want to make sure there was no one else that, um, anyone that folks wanted to po- uh, point to here. Like Quinn, Evan, is there someone he- that we did not discuss? All I right. think we. We'll talk about Kazusada Higuchi. Um, I, have, I mean, I have a few guys that. I um, mean, if we're moving into that portion of our of the show where we have like our own personal picks, then yeah, I've got a couple. I think Kazusada Higuchi is one that we probably share. Yeah. Um, uh, you can go ahead and start on him. Yeah, I think I think he is he is bar none. Um, him and, and Mike Bailey are the two best non New Japan wrestlers uh, in Japan now, and, and in fact, I would I would put them within the top five uh, in in Japan, uh, period. Um, I think Kotobushi would be my my top New Japan wrestler um, or my top Japanese wrestler of the year. But beyond that, uh, I has a good shout for second place. And he's a guy that, unlike Mike Bailey, um, as a fan who, who was still coming into it, um, I had to be told about and shown rather than have heard of him through, you know, some of the more popular channels. Um, and, and God, is he great. Uh, he, he's a, he's a bigger guy. Um, he's a chop boy, which is a, a key straight to my heart. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, his, his offense is great, but he's a, he's a great tag worker and a great singles worker. And I think my favorite thing about him is, is how well he sells. I think he has the best facials in that scene. Um, when he is in a submission, uh, he's not, it's not over the top. It's not hammy. But he, you can sense a desperation in him. I need to get out of this. It's not, 
oh, let me sit in the ring for 15 seconds and raise my hand above the mat and then slowly crawl to the ropes. There's a, there's a desperation from Higuchi that he wrestles with and a sense of urgency that he wrestles with uh, that extends to his selling and extends to his offense. Um, he'll take some nutty bumps. Uh, he's had, uh, you know, me, a tag match the year candidate um, that I watched the, uh, yesterday with, with, uh, with Sakamoto against uh, All Out um, that was just absolutely outstanding. He, he has been the undisputed king of the Majimanji TV show uh, that uh, has, been, has been run by DDT over the last four or five months that is, is right there with 205 for the best, uh, best TV uh, show in wrestling today. And he's the guy. Um, on the first, on the first seven episodes, he had four matches that I rated four stars or better, uh, all with different opponents, singles, tags, you name it. Um, the guy is, is super undervalued. Uh, he's got a really good shot at my top 10. Uh, he will definitely make my top 20 at this rate, especially if, again, not if it it certainly looks like there's going to be a second round Robin in DDT when I thought he was the second best guy in the first one. Uh, so there are, there's a, a bright, bright future ahead for Kazu Sadaguchi. If you don't know, if you haven't seen this guy um, and you like Japanese wrestling, please seek out those Majimanji matches and, and watch what he can do because he is he is outstanding. Um, even beyond the Majimanji stuff, I mean, um, the real good six-minute sprint he has against Kota Yamada has a really fun singles match against Namichi Marafuji. Yeah, that's the one I missed uh, that, was, that I thought was absolutely tremendous from, from February or so. Oh, and, and, the, and the title change, um, Daisuke Sekimoto and yep. Kazusada Higuchi versus Harashima and Namichi Nami Marafuji. Yep. Another really great match. So this guy has a really, really deep case this year. And uh, him and Yumeida have been probably like my favorite guys out of the DNA system. Um, so I'm glad that this year they're really getting the opportunities to just show what they're made of and really be the MVPs of the weekly TV show they're running. Um. So now we got now that we got Higuchi out of the way, one guy that I know me and everyone share too that I want to throw out there is uh Kaito Kiyomiya. Uh so Kaito returned from excursion. Um and right off the bat faces the GHC hip GHC champion at the time, Kano, and one of my favorite matches that happened in Japan all year. Uh one of the man, he might be my he might be the best baby face in wrestling right now. I'd be hard pressed to name even. He's really two, good. I'm, I'd be hard pressed to name even like two or three people better than him right now with being, wow. being a babyface. I don't know if I would go that far, but he's really good. Um, it, everything about him is just so genuine and believable, and I get it. Like young upstart uh, prospect is a really easy role to play, especially in Japan. But God, I think he's just fucking killing it. Every single time, yeah, um, he is really unique offense. Like I think a lot of the, like his signature spots are really unique, um, and I think that's something that you can't say a lot about a lot of guys. Um, just getting around to these matches today, I mean, shit. Um, the aggression of Katsuhiko Nakajima and Masa Kitamiya versus Go Shiozaki and Kaito Kitamiya. Um, the, I mean, the best. I think that probably the best tag feud. Of the year, and I, I I think it's better than Mustache Mountain versus Undisputed Era. Oh, I, I think agree. I think those matches are that fucking good. I think it was better than Bucks and Briscoes too. I, yeah. I thought the, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. Yeah, so I would very very much implore people to go out and uh, watch those matches. But yeah, 
between the singles opportunities he's gotten and being in one of the best tag teams of the year, Kaito Kiyomiya has came back on fire since his excursion. Yeah, he's been terrific. Um, he is really well booked. Um, and, and, and Noah takes a lot of crap, and I think we should shout them out for how well they've booked him. Um, because he, lo- he does lose a lot, but he had that little t- – you know, he, they won the Global Tag League. They had the brief reign. They dropped them back. But he's been around the main event, losing to the big guys, the main, the main guys, and learning from them. And, and he has all of the markings of a, of a future uh, legitimate number one uh, for that company. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. I think he's a real, real good shot at winning Global League this year, and I wouldn't be opposed to him versus Segura, um, as um the big title match ending ending the year. Yeah. Um, Sam, do you have anybody that you really like this year? Um, so I'm just gonna point out a a trio of folks here that are not actually a trio. Um, but Trey Miguel. Myron Reed and uh, Zima Ion um, as kind of a, a trio of high flyers that produce a lot of quality stuff out of AW. Um, they've been put into kind of a combination um, a lot this year, and whether it be in tag matches um, or singles competition, these three um, show out every single time. Um, I it's so. Uh, unapologetically a spot fest every time they go out there um that it kind of disarms me from really being critical of the approach um maybe it doesn't have anything from a depth of a narrative point of view but um what they're doing is just so awe-inspiring and they're not overdoing it they're not going for 15 20 minutes they're typically keeping the match under 10 and really just doing as many cool things as they can logically in that period of time, and sometimes illogically. Um, and I really think that people should go out and check out all of their stuff they've been doing at AAW. DJZ, Zima Ion, slash Zima Ion, um, is one of the consistently good workers out there right now. When he goes out there, it's going to be a good match. I, I don't see him in a lot of great matches, um, but he's one of those guys where I know I'm going to get something that's going to be at least enjoyable. Um, then Trey, I think, could be that very quickly. Um, watch his match versus Trevor Lee. Trevor's great in those kind of um, short, compact um, matches. But I think this one, I think, went a little longer than I even thought it did. The, the Trey versus Trevor match from AAW in June. Um, but it, it, it's just right as all heck. Trey does a great job of, uh, of selling for all of Trevor's offense. And I really think Trey, in a year or two, um, is going to be one of those guys um, that's just going all around to all the uh, promotions in the United States and putting on bonkers contests. Uh, yeah, I think Trey, out of that um, little group of him, Myron, and uh, Stephen Wolf, is very clearly the best guy in that group. Um, I think he has a way that he carries himself that just he feels like a star waiting to happen. And I think that um, reels me in. On top of that, I think he's the best seller of that, out of that group too. Um, Myron Reed isn't bad at it, but I think Trey Miguel has him beat a little bit. But yeah, I'm curious. Um, AW doesn't a good job booking these guys. Um, 
keep, keeping them bubbling on the undercard, uh, giving them bigger plates here and there versus um, someone like Trevor Lee, who they could easily have good matches with, um, and not rushing them in anything. I think that's been uh, one of the best, better stories of AW this year, is that they've really taken their time with these young guys. And who knows what the future holds for Trey in the next year or so, but I wouldn't think it's out of place if I see Trey Miguel and PWG next year, your evolves, um, getting more um, high-profile chances in AW. Um, so I got a few guys that I want to rattle off real quick um, that they are having excellent years. And uh, depending on how much you've seen of these guys, obviously you can uh, you all can chime in. But uh, the four that I really want to talk about are Darby Allen, Jonah Rock, Jay Lethal, and uh, Momo Watanabe. So I assume no one here has seen Momo, so I'll just go there. That Momo Watanabe, uh, other than Miyu Yamashita, who I know John from Wrestling Omakase uh, added me about, uh, I think has been my favorite Joshi worker this year. Um, sort of coming out of nowhere, too. Still being uh, 18, 19 years old. And she just has an incredibly commanding presence in the ring. Um, she works like a veteran. Uh, stiff kicks, great offense. She can work a limb. She's very focused, uh, vicious. Um, everything about her, I just have like fallen in love with this year. And I think um, I didn't love the Deanna Perrazzo match she had. But other than that, I think she del- has delivered um, – the Io Shirai matches are two of my favorite matches to happen this year. Uh, I really like the Jungle Kiyona match. Um, from blanking on the name of who she faced, so forgive me, Joshi fans, but it's the same uh, show as the Kagetsu versus Mayu Otani title match. Uh, that match ruled. So Momo Watanabe has been one of the unsung heroes for me this year um, and really put someone I wish people uh, were watching more of. Uh, Jay Lethal. Uh, I know that Evan has seen some of, but Jay Lethal has had a really incredible year. Um, I think even better than the year he was hardest pushed, um, which is at 2014-2015. Um, from the Dalton Castle stuff, the Jonathan, Gre- Jonathan Gresham, uh, the Kushida match, the match uh, teaming with Gresham versus the Young Bucks. Uh, he had a really fun Chuck Taylor match. This guy just has delivered all year um and it hasn't been flashy it hasn't been um the most spectacular stuff but this guy has just been super super efficient in the ring and gives you great selling great limb work uh logical finishes and everything you could ask for he's in a really great place in ring of honor now where he's kind of He's 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 almost he is booked as their guy, but he's almost got this like above it all veteran feel to him Mm. so that, you know, you know, they call him the franchise and all that. I think he's in a really good spot where people won't turn on him the way that you would be compelled to during that big push. Um, And I'm not quite as high on him this year as you have been. Uh, I didn't care for the Kushida match. Uh, I thought that that he uh, it wasn't his fault, but I didn't think he had a I didn't think he delivered with Will Ospreay in their big TV match back in January. I, I, I'm excited to see them 
do it again because I think they have a great match in them. But I love the Gresham match. I can't wait to see the Iron Man match that they had. Um, love the Dalton Castle match. Um, love the tag with the Young Bucks. Uh, he will make my list for sure. Um, I'm not sure he'll be in the top 50. Um, but I think Jay Lethal's had a really good year. And I think he's a really good guy for Ring of Honor to keep building around without telling people that they're building around him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Darby Allen is someone that I've always been really high on. I think uh, Sam has really, really been high on it too, but I knew Evan, we were going to do this. Evan, I, I'm a Darby Evan, convert. Evan took a lot of convincing to get on board with Darby Allen. So I think it is sort of like the new world Darby fan, I guess. What about his year so far has really like gotten you, gotten you to turn the corner on him? Well, I, I watched him against Zack Sabre Jr. at Evolve 98, a match that I know you absolutely adored and I believe still have very close to match of the year. Yeah, and, um, Sam, and Sam loved it too, which I was yeah. pleasantly surprised to see how, how high he was on it. And it was a great – it was a great Zack performance. I, I just – I never found Darby Allen to be completely credible in that match, and it hurt my investment of it. And as I've watched – I'd like to go back and rewatch it because as I've watched more of him – and the way he's pushed and evolved and the way he wrestles, he's this, he's this, you know, he's probably 120 pounds soaking wet. He's this, this shitty little kid who's out there wrestling these, these big, accomplished, world-class wrestlers and evolve books, some of the best wrestlers in the world. And they book him against them. And, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? And then he kind of wins you over, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, because he's so <laughs> earnest. He's and, and that's something that wrestling is lacking so much these days is is I mean always oh, always lacked that it's a carny business but the ability to be genuine right and and Darby Allen is as genuine as it gets he is out there and it it means the absolute fucking world to him that he survives in these matches and that he proves that that the way you look at him is not what he not who he is he is not defined. By the way he looks, and that's a classic wrestling story. But but I think he does it almost better than than even a guy like Daniel Bryan did it. You know he he's 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 so out of type with anything you'd ever expect to see in wrestling or want to see in wrestling, and he kind of worms his way into your heart anyway. Um, and of course, the match that won me over is, is the match that with the guy that I think is the runaway, far and away consensus, not even close choice. Uh, for my number one to the point where no one it, – it really has been mathematically impossible to catch him since May, and that would be Walter. Um, the match that they had, uh, I believe it evolved 106. I want to make that – I want to get that right because I want to make sure everybody watches this. Uh, yeah, it was 106 um, where Walter comes out, and instead of not taking him seriously, Walter decides to teach him a lesson and and just absolutely kills the kid. Um, is, is just, you know, one of the most vicious performances I've seen from Walter and, and, and Darby just keeps getting back up and keeps like literally jumping at this 300 pound monster for more punishment and just keeps going and going and going. So by the time he rolls him up and beats him, it's this really big cathartic moment. The match is only like 13 minutes long. Um, but it is, it is genuinely one of the best matches of the year i have it at number eight at the moment um it is spellbinding uh and he's continued it he had a, a uh, he hasn't had a match that good it would be hard to 
uh, since then. But he had a great, great match with Joey Janela on Evolve 109. Had a great, great match with Matt Riddle on Evolve 110. Um, was excellent in a four-way for the WWN title out of all of 111. Um, and and I have uh, – there's a guy I'll talk about in a little bit, but I've been very high on Shane Strickland's heel run in Evolve, and I think Darby Allen might be the guy to dethrone him down the line. And to think about this, this shrimpy kid as Evolve champion is so ridiculous. But once he kind of makes his way into your heart, you know, th- that you want it. You want it so badly, and and that's powerful, and that's going to get him a pretty high spot on my list. Um. Well, okay, Darby. I think the Zach match is obviously the, in my opinion, is the pinnacle. Um, I have not seen the Walter match, so obviously that comes with a pretty big caveat. Um, it's what's most interesting about Darby for me is seeing how he operates in promotions that are not evolve um see him work places like limitless pcw ultra um gcw i got um i think one of my the most interesting derby performances of the year was gcw against eli everfly and eli is a guy that's not bad but he's very much in that vein of just like a spot driven guy and darby controls the match and like really leads it in a great way um mlw darby plays a little bit more heel so, um, while I can see some people like if they're arguing against Darby saying, "Oh, he's a, he's a system guy," he's like purely about like how like of all pushes him. It's like, well, no, like you can see that there's a really talented wrestler, regardless of where he is. And I think um, that's what you were getting at is that this guy still like shows it in these other places. Yeah, the GCW match with Everfly is not going to be as good as his match against Everfly in PCW from May. So if you're only going to be able to watch one or the other, do the PCW one. Um, you would think it would go the opposite way. I don't know why he should, they clicked better in the PCW match, but um, that's just how it operated. Me and you, Quentin, are both high on the Jeff Cobb match from Limitless. Um, I think Darby... It's Darby plays that role of kind of ragdoll really well, so it's not really surprising that that match worked. Um, but nice to see him in a different environment still. Um, the four way, a four way match from June in PCW with Ace Romero, Eli Everfly, and Jake Atlas. He kind of takes a backseat to Ace Romero and Eli to an extent, um, which kind of shows his constraint and ability to kind of throw in his trademark spots um, without having to own a match um, while still kind of being in the right place at the right time. Um, and then he just has this trio match from Demand Lucha, which shows him more as a special attraction wrestler, um, where he is the most notable guy in the match. Um, and they kind of play into that, and he isn't just the underdog, he is the guy that people are trying to beat. So, also interesting to see him in that match. Good match, um, kind of overblown and lacking in parts as a whole, but uh, Dark Performance is worth checking out in that one. And there we go. That's what I have for Darby. Um, and a guy, and coming up, I mean, getting a bold appearance. So uh, getting his PWG debut, and I think he's paired with Jeff Cobb in the first round. So really interested to see how that goes, because obviously like, me and you both love that match from Limitless. And I think those two could really have one of the show stealers at the tournament. Um and I'm not going to say given the time, since it's PWG. PWG always goes a little over time. But um, given, like, the, you know, 
the chance to really go out there and just kill it. I think those two could have one of those show shows of the first round. Um, and another guy mentioned uh, Jonah Rock. That I'm pretty sure Sam hasn't seen much of, but Evan, I know you've been seeing some Jonah Rock lately. Um, for me, I think he's the best guy in wrestling about utilizing his size. Uh, I thought he had a really fun 16 carat. Um, really underappreciated Mike Bailey match from Ambition. Um, played, played with the size dynamic really well, especially in the shoot setting. Um, but yeah, from PWG and his WXW work, the work he's had in PWA, uh, the sole progress appearance he had facing Zack Sabre Jr., really has been, for me, uh, one of the unsung heroes of 2018 and someone that I think more people should be talking about because we're talking about, like, this era of big men. And we just, uh, you know, had guys like uh, Donovan Dijak and Keith Lee get signed by WWE. Obviously, Walter has been getting courted by WWE and New Japan. Um and it's a lot of, and Brody King obviously is one of those like new guys breaking out, Ace Romero. But a lot of this is guys that are doing flips and being athletic and doing what, oh, the tank with the Ferrari engine and doing all the lucha spots. Like, aha, like the big guy can do flips too. Like that kind of stuff. And not a lot of guys like really using their size on a regular basis. And I think Jonah Rock has been the best guy about straight up look. I'm a big guy. I'm wide. I'm huge. I'm going to squish you and throw you and splash you and all that stuff. With the added wrinkle of Jonah Rock has some really fucking good kicks. And I think throwing that into his offense just makes him that much more um, intimidating. On top of the fact that while Jonah is a heel, like he doesn't have any problem cheating or taking shortcuts, which I think is pretty refreshing for a big guy. That he doesn't mind you know, eye, eye gouging or pulling some hair or anything like that. And I think his matches with uh, Robbie Eagles and uh, Timothy Thatcher and Joey Janela and Jeff Cobb have really just shown how great of a big man uh, Jonah Rock has been this year. I See, I think uh, two things on that. One, uh, he is he is basically the top heel in PWG at this point. Um, and, and God, he's good at it. Uh, not the, the Roman Reigns stuff is dumb and all the, all the, the Travis Banks and, and TK Cooper doing that stuff is ridiculous and they should stop. Um, but the, his, he just, everybody in PWG is, is trying to get that crowd to, to love them. And, and Jonah is not, uh, and he's great at it. Um, like he's not, I, like, he's not I, like he's not, he's not, he's not a cool heel. He's like, the, no, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's, he's a an dick. asshole. <laughs> he's great at it. He is. He's he's awesome at it. Um, I I agree with you that he can be a great big man. I think the next step for him actually is to do that all the time. Um, now I understand that this was in WXW and that's Walter's promotion and and Walter is is not going to you know unless it's a you know Walter is going to dictate what Walter does in that promotion. But the match that they had at Inner Circle um, of Carrot Weekend, Walter versus Jonah Rock, um, Jonah basically gets dominated. And I want to see, and this this applies to Jeff Cobb too. Um, I want to see him use his size more. I think he gives a little bit too much. I, I think Jonah's a guy that should dominate matches because he is physically intimidating. He's scary, and you're right about his kicks, and he's he's vicious, and he, he he's a good heel. 
And I, I really like to see him almost, I think, I think there's a next, I think he's going to get better is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Uh, I think, I think there's a, there's a couple of gears. Which is from scary. Where he is Which is now. scary. Like imagining Jonah. Ruff yeah. Like I, I think he's, I think he's got huge potential. I think he's going to get better um, within the next couple of years. And, and I'm excited to see that. Um, but as of right now, uh, he is, I, I really don't like PWG. I don't like the way that that crowd dictates the way that matches are wrestled. Um, but I think he's one of the few guys that overcomes that and, and really impresses in that promotion, which is a big deal for me. Um, and he will, he will easily make my list and, and, and will probably make the top 50. Uh, he's a guy that is going to continue to get better, I think. Okay, well there we go. I'll check out more Jonah Rock. Um, but I'm gonna steer this conversation back. Wait, no. Yes, steer it backwards. Um, because I I jumped something that was one of the only things we talked about that we wanted to talk about. Um, before starting this podcast, um, let's talk about Slim J and Darius Lockhart. Um, right. So let's get let's let's wrap back around to that um and talk about kind of those two individuals as i've been watching a little bit more of slim j from this year obviously um Bennett's business a long time has been great for a long time um still great in 2018 big shocker um quentin why did you want to talk about these two individuals specifically because you kind of went and said hey watch slim j versus Darius lockhart we're gonna talk about these two guys um, so to get Darius out the way, Darius is a guy that I've really liked for a couple of years. Um, CWF, PWX, um, other various indies, um, that upload stuff on YouTube. I've always been into Darius, but I think the problem is a lot of places miscasted him as a heel. Um, and I think now finally being a baby face, uh, wait, wait, really? They booked yeah. him as a heel? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, places were booking him as a heel. Um, He's an outstanding babyface. Yeah, and, and it goes in, like, people were, like, and I, I don't want to bring this, I, I hate bringing this up, like, on this podcast, but because, like, he like has, like, a lot of his stuff is based on the Black Lives Matter thing and being, being like, you know, in the civil rights, people were booking him as a heel while That's playing. A face gimmick. While oh. being pro-Black Lives Matter. <laughs> That's a face gimmick. But, um, yeah. So, I think Darius has finally, like, gotten, like, his best chances because he's being, um, bugged as a baby face. And I think he's created magic multiple times. Um, I think that Shane Strickland match from Rise of a Champion is great. And I know everyone's going to go on about Shane Strickland, but I think that's one of my favorite Shane Strickland matches of the year, if not my favorite. Um, I think the Chip Day match. Um, from Pure is one of the best chip, best chip day performances I've ever seen, and that's coming off a year where he had the Trevor Lee match. So I really do think Chip Day's phenomenal, phenomenal in that, and Darius is right there. Uh, the Slim J match from Pure uh, really shows some great and nasty technical wrestling from both guys. And I think the thing about Darius that stands out for me is this guy just has tremendous offense. Whether it be as a mat game, a submission game, or throwing strikes and um, European uppercuts and knees with the rest, with the best of them, 
this guy throws his all into the into his offense and it looks absolutely great. Uh Sue's still a young guy, like 23, 22, 23 years old. Um, so you kind of forget how long he's been around. But I think Darius has finally really put it together this year. And uh with a few more matches on PWX, uh making it online and really maybe having this a real defining ITV title reign. I could see Darius just becoming one of those top tier guys of the year. Uh, he gives me everything I want in wrestling. Great selling, sympathetic. Uh, he comes across as believable and genuine. He doesn't go overboard. He knows how to pick his spots, has no problem getting dominated. This guy just gives it all to me. And I'm glad that this guy has been given the ball this year. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, I, I watched him today on on Quentin's recommendation to to prepare for the podcast. I watched those three matches. Um, the only one I loved was the Strickland match, um, and a lot of that is because I I think the world of Shane. Uh, I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, um, but but I, the pieces are all there certainly um, for him to be a great wrestler. I'd like to see him become uh, a slightly better storyteller, uh, and he's super young, and then that's an advanced thing. Um, the Slim J match. Uh, again, like you said, the first five to seven minutes of it were were tremendous. I mean, just vicious, nasty grappling. Uh, I, I mentioned to you earlier when I was watching it. Slim J is is uh, is interesting because he has the look where he's going to be this you know Dean Ambrose esque brawler who's going to throw a lot of wild punches and stuff. And instead, he comes out here and he starts working nasty holds and bridges and. You know all this nonsense, but it's great. It's targeted. It's 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 gross. He's working the, uh, he's working the 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 arms. At one point, he makes the the commentator put it well. He he made Darius clap behind his back in a really gross spot, um, that I thought was pretty great. But then then the finishing stretch, I think he's still having a little bit of trouble with, where he falls into that trap of just pimping his finisher and going in like like Slim J took two straight of his finishers. Uh, of Darius's finisher and then popped up and fired up like like that's that's the easiest way to pull me out of a match um no one has ever pulled that off you know uh, it, it's it's a it's a question of moderating yourself and becoming a better storyteller that said he's an incredible talent he's a great baby face it baffles me that people booked him as a heel um he's a great great talent um and I think he's he's another guy who's going to get a lot better within the next few years. And I, I hope he, he starts to branch out and get looks from other places as well. Yeah. I obviously will talk more about the Slim J match, um, as it goes with Slim J as well. Um, great match. Um, I did not watch the Strickland match or the Chip Day match. Um, what I did watch is the Drew Adler match, which is on YouTube and Chase Owens match, which is on the deep web. Um, the Drew Adler match is kind of a is a tournament final match, um, intersection of kind of two stories: Adler's bum knee and uh, Lockhart getting jumped before the match starts by an outside party, um, and how Lockhart fights his way back into it and uses Adler's weakness against him um, to get back into it. Um, really fun match. Uh, probably gets cut shorter than you really want to, but. Um, I don't think that's any fault of the competitors. Um, the Owens versus Lockhart match is a, I think, a better Owens performance than Lockhart performance. But um, Lockhart uh, as the kind of 
the P the PWX guy, uh, this crowd's guy, um, was really cool to see. Um, I think his trademark stuff looks good, and I think that's important in kind of these kind of matches where Chase can kind of work around that. Um, he has this thing where he pushes Chase into the ropes. Get Chase gets bumbled in there, and then he throws just a drop kick um, that makes Chase go splat. It's beautiful. Uh, looks as violent as all heck. Um, as long as that car is busting out violent offense, I think I'm going to be there for it. Um, but I think the Slim J match works even better um, if you watch Slim J versus Ethan Case from Pier 2, um, which is another really good match. Um, it shows kind of Slim J owning the match against the PWX champion, um, more or less. Um, but really his only real flaw is that um, Case has the puncher's chance every time out. Um, he just hasn't beat there. He's a bigger dude. Um, eventually he does get caught. Um, Lockhart, though, Lockhart, that while Lockhart is a great striker, um, in this universe isn't built quite like uh, Ethan Case and um, him, Slim J, popping up uh during this match, kind of doing that Fang Spear spot. Uh, actually worked for me in a lot of ways, just because it kind of shows Slim J's progression from Pier 2 to Pier 3. Um, yeah, both of these guys, really, really great. Um, I'm kind of excited to dig more into Slim J's 2018, um, see if there's any other kind of gems that I haven't uncovered. Um, I haven't gotten around to it, but I know Dylan speaks highly of Slim J versus Corey Hollis um, from Anarchy. I'm going to get around to seeing, but Slim is, I don't know what it is, but every year Slim J just finds something in, um, during the year where he gets back in the conversation. I'm like, oh yeah, Slim J's fucking great. Like 2015 is the Fred Yeh high stuff. 2016 is the Kevin Blue TLC match. 27, 2017, it's uh the Jimmy Rave match. And here... It's uh, him going up against guys like Ethan Case and Cam Carter and Darius Lockhart and Corey Hollis. Um, and that's a guy that's been wrestling for like 16 years. And he's still pretty young. He's like he's like 33 years old, 34 years old. And he still has a lot of time ahead of him. Like This guy is so, still so explosive and smooth. He might be – like you could easily throw him in, in like the best high flyer conversation. He's one of the best like technical wrestling guys going right now. Like, this guy really can give you everything you want. And it's a shame that this guy hasn't had, like, that great of a career because the talent is still there, and he's actually still getting better, which is very scary. Yeah, it's really cool that PWX is giving him another place to go because it feels like I've always just been on the impression Slim J is not really wanting to expand. Um, that has been my... my naivete i guess um that um he just wanted to be this guy that worked this territory um because he loves working this territory but now that he's branched out to pwx i think wow there are some opportunities here that i would really like um to see expand upon um because there's some good wrestling in north carolina that he can take part in um but yeah he's really an all-around strong professional wrestler he can mix it up with any technical wrestler, any high flyer, um, and go strike for strike for most with most wrestlers. So um, there's really not a big flaw in his game. I just I don't think he's had the opportunities to really um, show how good he is. Yeah. Um, 
damn, I want to go back and watch some of that Freddie A. High stuff again. That was good well, professional the, wrestling. The, the 2014 stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like, that, like obviously, like for a lot of, for a lot of us, um, that was like our first time seeing Fred and like Christ, like those like I like those matches really put Fred on the map. And Slim is just as good in those matches. And and it's a shame that I don't think Slim was getting was probably getting those same calls after after those matches were hitting YouTube and people but people were buzzing about them. Yeah, I think Fred obviously I think had some other things going on in his favor. Um but Slim just did not seem to get the same benefits. Uh, Slim also had some weird gimmick moves in the following years. Um, mm. That Gladiator stuff didn't get over with me. Um, I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand Kyle Matthews wearing the mask either until I watched um, him versus Billy Buck in the um, Iron, Man ma- Iron Man match. I mean, I got from the like reason why he was doing it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't mind that as much. The Gladiator stuff, I think, was was hokey. Um, like Kyle Matthews wearing a mask, I think, didn't really change that it was Kyle Matthews being a professional wrestler. Um, where I think it did, where the Gladiator stuff really altered Slim J's character, not for the better. Um, so I'm kind of glad he's just going really back to back, way back a few years. Um, you got the baggy pants. Um, not even progressing back to, to tights. Um, and that's good stuff. That's really what I want. I want just big black baggy pants. All I could want. Um, cool, 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 cool. Um, I need to dig into more slim J. Um, this is that action wrestling show with I cross match out. Cause I have not seen it yet. Um, I'm not sure it is. As far as I know, there's still like only two um action shows on Powerbomb, so I don't think that's out yet. Well, alrighty, Ike Cross really impressed me at the Scenic City Invitational. Um, big dude, lots of athletic talent. Um, so if that match is good, Ike Cross might be someone that deserves to be in this kind of conversation as well. Um, I think I think Evan has some guys he wanted to uh, rattle off rattle off for uh, this section too. Yeah, yeah, just a few. Um, Shane Strickland would be the big one. Um, yeah. Not that people don't like him. Um, I, no, I there think are people he's... that definitely don't like him. That's well, sure. yes, there are a few people. Uh, <laughs> one of the former hosts of this podcast uh, doesn't like him, uh, which I I don't understand. Um, I think he has a top ten case. Um, so basically, you know, Shane Strickland is one of those guys that gets out to a bunch of you know a ton of different feds. Um, you know, is the international, um, and uh, it's, it's right in his tagline. Uh, and, and when he shows up in a lot of different places, um, you know, he'll, he'll work a fairly spotty match that will, you know, look to pop the crowd and, and it's a good time and it's entertaining, but, but it's not, it, there's not too much there. Um, but for me, he has shown an ability to, to crank it up, um, in, in some of his more permanent spots. Um, and now this is why he won't rank near the very top for me because he does have that lower gear. Um, and I'm going to knock him for that. Uh, he's a guy like it, maybe not as inconsistent as a Will Ospreay, but he, 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 there are matches where he has an opponent that I like and they go out there and they don't deliver what I'm hoping for. But, 
there are a few runs that are working in his favor. The big one is his heel run in Evolve. Um, when Zack Sabre Jr. left uh, after WrestleMania weekend, uh, there, you know, Gabe was talking about, oh, there's going to be a new era and we're going to move on from the the grapple fuck and and you know what we were doing with Zack Sabre Jr.'s era. And, you know, people were like, oh, well, they're just blowing smoke. And so they bring in Shane Strickland to main event Evolve 104, the first Evolve after WrestleMania weekend in a non-title match with Matt Riddle. And, you know, I watched it because I saw – I was like, oh, you know, Shane Strickland, whatever. And I saw that, uh, you know, a couple of other people had really praised it. And so I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And and I was utterly blown away. Uh, I, I, he, he, he immediately goes after Matt Riddle's arm and there's an anger and a viciousness to him, uh, in this run. And while it has never quite matched this match, it has also really been there where, where he just progressively gets nastier and, and, and boy, he, he, he is a sadistic, vile heel. Um, and, and it's probably my favorite heel of the year. Uh, is is the Shane Strickland Evolve run? It is that good to me. Uh, the the stuff he works on the arm is is as as nasty and cringy as as any hard shoot chops or or anything like that or kicks that you'll see. Um, their hardcore rules match at Evolve 108, absolutely tremendous. And then you say, all right, well that's that's Matt Riddle. That's a top five wrestler of the year. What can he do with somebody else? Well, he had a he had a tag match where he was teaming with Austin Theory uh, against Joey Janela and uh, Saiv Al-Sabah, who left the promotion right afterwards, which was a little disappointing. Um, but but he was the, the runaway star in it. Just the presence and the commanding air about him. Uh, he, he feels, you know, he's, he's cocky, and then you, you punch him in the mouth, and he just snaps on you. Uh, the match he had the following night against DJZ, uh, where it's it's back and forth for a while, and then he just he just loses it and kills the guy. Uh, there's there's something to him that's very magnetic uh, about that run, and I encourage people to watch it because I think it's a a great great run. Um, the revived MLW, he was sort of the original face of it, and had a great great death uh, death match at the beginning of the year against Jimmy Havoc. Uh, where he go- got as, as good as he gave and did some nasty, nasty stuff. But it was it was really a compelling story of him hanging with Jimmy Havoc, uh, who is obviously a, a deathmatch guy. Uh, another great riddle match for the title. Uh, great Brody King match in that run. Uh, they kind of went away from him, but it was it was an ability for me to see that he could be this this really evil, gross heel in one company and a franchise-style babyface in another. And I, I wish he, you know, he's, he's so exposed and he's in so many different promotions and he doesn't have that top, top level consistency that a Walter or a David Starr or a Zack Sabre Jr. does, but he's in that next group for me. Um, and I feel like he isn't talked about, I think he's talked about more as a spot guy or a solid hand than as a, as a tippy top guy. And I, I don't know if, if other people I, uh, agree with me on that uh, or what, but he's someone who has really, really spoken to me this year. Um, and, and I really encourage people to seek out the Evolve and the, the MLW stuff because he's really been great. Um, the thing that Shane, I think the thing with Shane for me this year and really last year too is that after 2016, I thought Shane was poised to have uh, – a great 2017, and I really don't think he did. I thought he was super inconsistent um, with flashes of greatness being shown against uh, 
guys like Regehi and Omari. Um, I think here Shane isn't having nearly as much inconsistencies. While at the same time, um, I don't think he's being like always as great either. I think we still have these like great first um the Darius Lockhart match and the uh first Riddle match, namely. But I'm waiting to see with this evolved title run. Um, especially with challengers on the horizon like uh James Drake, uh, Darby Allen, um, maybe a Joey Janela, um, other guys that push to that level, if he can like keep that same energy. And I think if he does, then Shane could really skyrocket up, up my list. Uh I think did you see to- the uh did you see the DJ Z match? Uh, no, I haven't seen the DJZ match. I yeah, I would encourage you to watch that. I thought I thought that was a really great performance too. That that like maybe gives an indication that this is going to continue. Yeah, I would. I have to watch that. Um, um, I think he had a really good match with Brody King and Defy. Uh, a good match with Brody and MLW, but not nearly as good as, as the Defy one. Not gonna lie. Uh, MLW putting the title on Loki and thinking I was taking off shit. Strickland. Uh put a bad taste in my mouth because I, oh, yeah, I thought Shane was like the perfect guy to like keep building around. Well, it shows what they're interested in and yeah. you know, good wrestlers. Yeah. Great. Yeah, wow. He's, he's, he's going when he's teaming with Walter. Sam, yeah. you got, you got something to say? No, no, no. Other than <laughs> Loki's good. That's bad. I don't know. Not much more to, to elaborate on. What don't you like about him? Um, he just feels um, not overproduced eh, a lot of the times. Again, none of those guys that I just don't like mechanically is not aesthetically pleasing to watch. Um, doesn't feel natural in any way he moves. Um, most of the matches I've seen, um, I haven't seen a lot from him this year, but most of the matches I've seen in the past, um, they don't particularly have strong builds to the big spots, um, which are the, usually the focal points of his matches. I've not seen his grappling heavy matches like the match against Yay High. Um, so maybe he's developed more of a core than I've seen in the past. Um, but those are my big complaints with Strickland. He's a polarizing wrestler. I'm curious to see where he ends up in the eventual consensus list. Yeah, I, I, think no... be a, I think there'll be a pretty wide variance on him. Yeah, I have no clue how most of the voter pool, voter pool feels about Strickland. So I think his placement is going to be one of the more interesting ones. Yeah. Let's see who else I had. Oh, I, I, I wanted to talk about Joey Janela just a little bit um, in that he's kind of – would you agree that he's kind of inherited that King of the Indies role, especially with Riddle gone? At least to the American yeah. Indies. He, yeah. He, you know, he, he kind of – I'm not sure he's fully taken that spot yet, but it feels like he's the guy who will. If he hasn't yet, I think um, I think I think he's more in the semi Callahan King of the Indies role more than the Matt Riddle one. Yeah, okay. Um, but like, but you know, I, I think well, that's an interesting way to to put it because I think he's viewed as a as like a an entertainer first and a wrestler second, if that makes sense. Right. And I I think he's got a legit top twenty case. Um, I think he's a great wrestler as much as he is a great entertainer. Now, a lot of those things go hand in hand, but you know, the guy, the guy can work. And, and I don't think he's been talked about in that way enough. Uh, and I would encourage people to, to check out 
Um, his deathmatch stuff, obviously, everybody knows is great. Um, the no ropes barbed wire match with David Starr at American Rana um, was absolutely fantastic. But his match with Darby Allen in Evolve, which was a face versus face um, grapple heavy title match, was really, really great. Um, that, 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 you know, two guys that, that people don't think about a ton uh, that had a really great match. Or uh, the match he had uh, with Jonathan Gresham at uh, IWC's uh, Super Indie Tournament was spectacular. Um, you know, he, he, I don't think he gets quite enough credit from, for, you know, and this is an in-ring poll. I don't think he gets quite enough credit for that in-ring. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but I, I think he's a little bit undervalued in that sense. Yeah, I think he's had really good matches this year with uh, Jeff Cobb, Jonah Rock, um, Darby. I like his, I like actually liked his Austin Theory match. That's one of the best Austin Theory matches we've gotten this year. Um, I thought the no DQ match versus Jimmy Havoc um, as a um, Super Strong Style 16 weekend was fun. Um, so I think in regards to his actual in-ring, super underappreciated. And I think the um, real case maker for him, I'm not sure you've seen this match, is uh, the no barbed wire match against David Starr from American Rana. Which yeah, is, yeah, I mentioned that. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, one of the absolute best matches of the year. Uh I don't. I think we want to skip over the New Year's Day, uh, David Star match, which is yeah, really fun too. I'm not counting too. that for this year. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, Joey as a wrestler really has a strong case, a stronger case that people really may talk about because the whole appeal of Joey is, oh, he's gonna put together these wacky shows and it's gonna be like it's it's great, it's fun, but Joey really should be getting more credit for how he's put it together in the ring this year. Well, sort of having like this uh, double life as this dude that throws these weird shows um, for GCW. Yeah, totally. Um, another guy I wanted to mention, I think we should talk about him just briefly, is uh, Jonathan Gresham. Um, in terms of a guy who I think is maybe, I think we all think is maybe, um, I can't speak for Sam, but I know for Quentin, maybe the most underpushed guy in wrestling today. Uh, he tends to be a mid-carder in most of the companies in which he's booked when he is a main event talent. Um, because he is a mid-carder in a lot of these promotions, he doesn't get a ton of opportunities to be uh, a, a guy who can absolutely blow me away. That said, I think he's incredibly consistent, um, and he's someone who I think absolutely could deliver on that level if given the shot. He has in the few chances that he's been given, like in that Super Indie tournament where he had three really good to great matches in a single night. Um, phenomenal final against David Starr. His stuff with Lethal has been top-notch. Uh, I'm excited to see the tag matches with Chris Brooks uh, in progress on the America shows. I hope that leads to more for him, although I, 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 I know they didn't bring him back, uh, probably because of Ring of Honor reasons. Um, there's no reason Ring of Honor shouldn't be pushing him to the championship. Uh, he's, he's excellent. He'll, he'll end up in my top 25. Um, but I know Quentin, you're significantly higher on him than that. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Gresham is quite possibly my number one, um, in the world right now. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm higher on the Jay, Jay Lethal stuff than you, but even beyond that, uh, really loved, uh, Jonathan Gresham versus Filthy Tom Lawler from Black Label Pro. Really enjoyed, uh, 
his match versus Timothy Thatcher from Nova Pro. Obviously, the uh, Jay Lethal match where he's where he's where he's going, going against the Young Bucks. Uh, the super indie stuff. Uh, the Joey Janela match in that tournament is really underappreciated, but that Davis Star final is super super tremendous. Uh, the CCK tag run has really shown, like, reminded people how great of a tag wrestler this guy is. Man, uh, I think he's given given you everything this year, especially for a guy with his placement in the company to have as good of a year he's having is pretty remarkable. Um, uh, the last thing that has to drop for him, really, is the Jay Lethal uh, Iron Man match. But, man, like, this guy just delivers every time on TV, uh, his big spots on pay-per-views or or, or streams, uh, when they bring him in as a replacement in tag, in tag championship matches, uh, this guy just delivers. And, like, I haven't seen a Jonathan Gresham match this year that's below, like, three and a half stars. And he's having, like, match-of-the-year level matches, too. So it's not just a volume case for him. This guy is delivering some of the best stuff I've seen all year. Yeah, the dude's a machine. Um, he's he's as as consistent as it gets. Yeah, so I think a lot of people still do the thing where they dismiss him because he's small and he's a mid carter, um, for the most part. But look, if all if all you, if your only exposure to Jonathan Gresham is Ring of Honor and uh, the little bit of time he gets there then you're doing it yourself a disservice because this guy everywhere else is absolutely stellar. Which, by the way, he's he's probably wrestler of the year in Ring of Honor anyway, yeah. even if that's all you've seen of him. Like Even even without the Jay Lethal stuff, it's like he's had really good matches with Kushida and Chuck Taylor, uh, really good like stuff in like multi-man matches, um, a good Kenny King match. Like The guy just delivers like regardless of what his spot on the card is. And that's one of like the only things you can ask of a ask of a wrestler is that they give you effort regardless of what their spot is on the card. And Jonathan Gresham is a guy that really embodies that. Um, I'm not entirely sure I get where the um narrative that Gresham is a mid carder everywhere is from. Um, though he is not not this- everywhere. Um, but he certainly is in Ring of Honor, and I I still think he's but beyond Noah Pro. His two other main promotions behind Ring of he, Honor. He's, um, also, he's also he's also out of Beyond now, so it's like yeah, true. A mar he he was a marquee kind of positioning throughout the year up until July though. Um, right. In Nova Pro, he's still in marquee positions to my knowledge. Um, main eventing shows. Um. So I'm not sure I'm going to go along with that narrative, but I think the Quackenbush match is the match that kind of defines him a lot. In my eyes, kind of the wrestler that I think Gresham is, um, where it's highly technical, but it's also has some that amped up intensity, but also, hey, there's also cute moments. Those moments that are a little um, break things in a way that um, you weren't you wouldn't expect from a Tom Lawler or a Timothy Thatcher or a Matt Riddle. Um, where you you're, you're kind of poking fun at this thing. Um, I, I would describe that as a comedy match. I I don't think a, a match can have comedic elements without being a comedy match, and I think that would be good things to bring up here. Um, 
I, I thought this was a highly technical match, and I thought this was a really strong match, and probably the best wrestling match I've seen all year. Um, you mentioned the Tom Lawler match. Um, that is going to be more on your purely technical side. I think it's weirdly, like, a weird placement for that match. I, I, I can't remember the surrounding circumstances around that match, but I don't believe that was the booked match that evening. Um, Tyler Lawler versus Jonathan Gresham. And yet they go out there and just kind of feels like they just grapple their way through it, and it really works out well. Um, the surprising match for me from him has been his CCK match versus Jeff Cobb and Matt Riddle. Um, I like Cobb and Riddle, but I just was not expecting Brooks and Gresham to blend so well together and against um, the Chosen Bros. Um, so yeah, again, uh, one of those, that tag team thing. You had mentioned Quinn. Um, oh, yeah. and he has a and he has a match um, with Brooks going up against Rinkoff like a few weeks from now. <laughs> maybe. Uh, oh maybe yeah, that's week. right. He does. Yeah, like, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah. So this guy's uh, resume just keeps like again. Like I don't know. He's hitting his stride at the right time too. With yeah, like this progress booking. Yeah. So I don't know how much longer or how many more of these bookings. Gresham is going to get. And it'd be a shame if he didn't get any more high-profile bookings outside of this, and I get it. He has Ring of Honor obligations. But, like, I really, it would be it would be a real shame if his, like, year peaked in, like, that couple-of-month window. Because I the do thing with, think... The thing with him, though, is that no matter what opportunities he's given, he's the guy who'll make the most of his minutes. Right. It feels hard to put the toothpaste back in tube, though, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like, sure. now that he's out there, out there, he isn't a guy that's kind of on the fringes, should be brought in somewhere, um, or working an undercard for Evolve or something. Um, he's put in rather prominent positions on these cards, um, which is not something I expected um, at this point in the year. But I think it'd be hard to kind of dial that back significantly um he can at least get the RPW bookings, um, given that connection with Ring of Honor. So it's time to start pushing for Gresham in the 2019 Best of Super Juniors right now. If we start now, we can make it happen. Uh, I real I I don't think it's gonna happen, but fuck, like, <laughs> <I don't> either. <laughs> uh, but I re- I really do think he'd be like a breath of fresh air for that tournament, though. <laughs> yeah, he would. Um, I have one more guy that I wanted to talk about before I was all done. And I think we all, we should mention him. Um, uh, Daniel Maccabe, uh, yeah. up in Seattle's three, two, one promotion. Um, which is sort of the, the, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's sort of a, uh, party bar wrestling kind of deal. Like they do the commentary over the PA system, um, which really threw me off the first time I watched him. But he has two Stone Cold Classics this year with B-Boy and with Timothy Thatcher uh, as this uh, this prickish insular heel champion of an otherwise really fun and uh, happy-go-lucky fed. And uh, he had another match that was very well regarded with uh, a guy named Alex Zane that I didn't get to see um, that I know people really loved um, and uh, recently um, wrestled uh, Negro Navarro and is just, you know, as as consistent as it gets in in that one role, um, I hope he gets to gets to branch out in some other places. Um, but he's a guy that that I think should be mentioned as an under the radar uh, pick that 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 will make my list and 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 should get a little bit more eyes on him. Oh yeah, uh, Dan's gonna be super 
super high for me. I think he had the best ad- batting average in wrestling this year. Um, as far as like every time he's out there, I see nothing that's the last thing great from Dan. Even if the match isn't great, his performance in it is always great. Uh, whether it be facing people that are very clearly not as of like a Mike Santiago, uh, a Sonico or whatever, um, he still delivers. And the the two matches that you mentioned first in uh, the Thatcher and B-Boy matches being like Stone Cold Classics, like those aren't even my favorite Makabe matches of the year. You know, my favorite two are um, the match with Artem- Artemis Spencer and Alex Zane. So that just speaks to like the quality that he's putting out, that he can have these matches with these guys. And I'm still like raving over matches he had with um other guys earlier in the year. But yeah, Dan is someone where he really speaks to like everything I like about wrestling, especially now since he turned heel. He was a great baby face before this, but now that this guy has turned heel, this guy is hitting every note for me, great signature spots, great creative mat wrestling, uh, great limb work, great way at um still coming through as a heel despite not really cheating a lot of the time. He's just very sullen and yeah. and mean, and I really, really love in, – in a promotion that is very much not that. I mm. love that about him. Yeah, he's, provi- he's provided a great contrast to everything 3-2-1 is about. And I think that speaks to Dan so well that he understands the makeup of that promotion so well that he's been, been, like giving the exact opposite has provided like such an effect on the entire product. And really, like, um, I don't think really, I don't think anyone should be holding that. Anyone else other than that should be holding that three, two, one belt right now. And I speak of it as like not really a fan of, of the promotion, but a fan of Dan rather. But um, I think Dan has a lot going for him right now, and I think it'd be a mistake to take it off him. And you could easily keep doing the the same thing with Dan that you're doing, um, without the belt. But I think having that guy be your defining champion and have him go on this great reign where, you know, it's like a Cedar of Mid-Atlantic thing where people like us were raving about Trevor Lee and everything that this company was doing. And eventually we fell in love with the company itself. I think Dan is a perfect guy to do something like that with, you know, throw fans, I guess, a bone. And then we'll see like how you feel about the rest of the rest of the promotion. But yeah, Daniel Makabe, uh really has been, you know, like, the, the Thatcher match last year was one of the absolute best matches of the year. But the problem was we didn't get too much more of Dan after that because 3 to one footage wasn't available. Now with all this footage being available and them streaming their shows every week, we get to see how great Dan is on a regular basis. And I think he's taken the most out of every opportunity. Yeah, he's another another guy who really does make the most of his minutes. That was an interesting thing you brought up. I wonder who would have the best batting average in wrestling this year. My instinct is to say Johnny Gargano, but I would think about Zack Sabre Jr. and Dan and Gresham would be another guy. That'd be, a, that'd be an interesting topic for another time, like how much, how much you value that. Um, Dan is someone that I want to do well on a list like this. Um, it's kind of the basis of We Don't Know Wrestling obviously came from the WKO 100. I don't know why I say obviously. I'm assuming that I've said it enough that people kind of get that. Um, that's where this idea came from. Um, I want to 
have this list highlight wrestlers that might be a little under the radar that um, this real in the bubble group of people are watching. Um, Dan stuff is out there. It's easy to access and hopefully people take the time to watch it, enjoy it and accurately rate Daniel Makabe as one of the best wrestlers out there. So with that said, um, is there anyone else that we would like to rattle off before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I think we've, yeah, that was all I had, I had highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've gone long enough here. I think we can sign this off. Um, well, all right then. Um, Evan, would you like to plug your Twitter or any other projects that you work on currently? Uh, if you really like soccer, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter, uh, at Evan L Weston. Um, but, uh, great thing about Dan, he wears a soccer kit and an MLS kit. Uh, I broadcast for uh, an MLS team, uh, Orlando City, here in uh, beautiful, sweltering, probably going to get hit by a hurricane in the next few weeks, Florida. Um, so uh, go Lions, I guess. Uh, but yeah, Evan L. Weston uh, is my Twitter. Come for the soccer takes. Stay for the occasional wrestling. And Quinn, what would you like to plug? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. I'll be recording a new Psychology is Dead pretty soon. Uh, Evan's going to be on the show. Uh, I don't think I've publicly said the topic yet, so I'm going to keep that as a, as a surprise. But, I think you uh, did on the last PID. Did I? Oh, no. You said I was going to be on it. You didn't say the topic. Right. I think I'm, I'm going to keep the topic um, as a surprise, but it's something I'm really excited to do. So uh, if you like listening to me ramble on, you can look forward to that in the next week or so. Thank you both for being on. You can follow me at Concrete1992. Leave a review on iTunes. Um, It helps with an algorithm of some sorts. Thank you all for listening to this episode of We Don't Know Wrestling.